about to opt in to Monerotopia, a show for the Monero community where all are welcome to join. From noob to maxi, no matter what bags you hold. Just sit back and relax to the sweet sounds of Monero's latest progress. Or if you're feeling inspired, join us on stage. Remember, the only thing that can stop Monero is a false belief that it can be stopped. And if you want to win the revolution faster, we recommend you remove your XMR from all custodial exchanges immediately. Warning, boating accidents are common around here. Don't forget to properly secure your private keys. Monerotopia starts now. Alrighty, good morning, good morning. Good morning. How's it going, man? It's going. <laughs> I know I know you're juggling a lot, but yeah. uh you're making progress. Yeah. You're building. You're building. Um we got a big show today. Big show, big show. We got body as usual gonna come on, give us a price report, and then we have Cuban Warrior who's going to come on and give us an update on his Kuno. He's the guy that's building the Monero mesh networks down in Cuba. Uh, so he'll come on, he'll present. I think he's looking to raise more money. Uh, so we, we, have some, we have some questions for him. We obviously want to make sure that's, that's all legit and copacetic. Uh, so we got that. What else we got? The usual stuff. The news, viewers on stage. Guys, if you're uh, tuning in for the first time, we appreciate it. Everybody, if you can like and share this, let's try to get as many people as we can. Spread the word. And let's kick it off, man. Let's do it. All right. Let's do that prior support. The Monerotopia Price Report segment is sponsored by Local Monero. Avoid using KYC exchanges. Buy and sell Monero directly for fiat peer-to-peer. Good morning. Yo, buddy. Buddy, good morning, man. How you guys doing? Good, good. What's new? What's new? Hmm. Oh, not too much. You know, Christmas is coming up. Going to fly back to the States. Got to go through TSA. It's not gay if it's TSA. I always hate coming back to the States, honestly. Just just yeah. like for that one reason, just because you have to like pass through all that. Yeah, right? It's like you're, you're, you're treated like a criminal. Yeah. Like, Dude, when I had went to Minotopia earlier this year, each every time I went through like security, whether it's from the U.S. side or from coming back in the Mexico side uh their airport i they had to stop my they had to stop me and take everything out of my backpack because something was setting off some weird like alarm and then really? just like go through everything in my backpack and it was super annoying i think i had to do with my laptop because i have a framework and it has a lot of like extra like magnets and stuff but i'm not 100 percent sure hmm. yeah you're just on a list man yeah sure apparently <laughs> there's like some code where if um they don't like you to buy tickets at the last second and only one way. So like if you buy a last minute ticket one way, they'll you'll occasionally pop for I think it's SSSS kind of interesting those uh, particular letters. But yeah, oh, like, yeah it's like a no fly code, list, right? It's not that you're like necessarily on a no fly list, but you're like it means that you got you're either that you're on a list or it means that you got popped for um like extra screening and then you have to go through all this crap and you have to go through um, I don't know. You've got to go like to the counter and then it could take a few hours. And I don't know. It's, it's something like that. It's something weird. And uh, a lot of people have complained about that happening to them. Maybe not a lot, but I was reading about that the other day. Mm. Now, do you, do you go through like the machine where it scans you or do you opt out and do the, uh, no, I always opt out. Um, you do? Really? yeah. One time I even told them, I was like, I'll take the, um, I'll take the sexual molestation instead of the cancer today. <laughs> they didn't like that. And he's like, what? 
I said, yeah, yeah, I'll, t- I'll, I'll opt for the sexual molestation instead of uh, cancer today. You know, at least one is just quick, you know, quick thing. And then it's done cancer. You know, that shit eats you away for years. And he's like, bro, you can't talk like that here. I was like, it's free country, dude. I can talk how I want. Like, that's your attitude. We're just not going to help you at all. So he like, he walked away. I was like, you're like, you were bound by the law to perform this job. You can't just walk away like that. Right. But of course he did. Right. He, he, so he went like, away uh, and I was kind of like molesting people. He was like, uh, <laughs> where, where was that? Was that this was Houston? I was- I didn't oh. know you could opt out of the uh, the scanny X-ray radiation. Yeah. Machine. I've oh, opted yeah, out. I've opted out, but yeah, it took took for took forever. And I get you know, like you like you bought not as much, but a little bit of an attitude as I did it. Obviously, saying <laughs> saying some things. But wow, that's a lot. so he just he just he also opted out. So you had to wait for somebody else. To come up. <laughs> no, um, I kind of I kept telling the other guys around. That, I was like, hey, that guy over there. You see that big fat guy over there? He uh he's like refusing to do his job. And I'm pretty sure that like that's contrary to the law. He has to do this job. I didn't insult him. I didn't even raise my voice. I'm just like joking around. And yeah. uh he's so eventually he came back and he's like, So are you done being smart? It's like, listen, dude, I'll just keep my mouth shut. All right, but let's do this. So um usually what I'll do, like that was the only time that I really like was kind of abrasive about it. But usually what I'll do is I'll like be like, um, I've got you right now. Like you're my little I don't think I say prisoner, but I'll be like, Yeah, you're you know, you, you have to you have to sit here and listen to me talk now. So let me tell you a little bit about uh, the TSA. Are you aware of, of Building 7? Like, have you heard of Building 7? You know, it's all kind of... It'll take a few minutes yeah. to say something to them. That's amazing. You do, do your small part, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah you, you feel bad. You know, the people that are there that are working there, you know, they're uh, they're just trying to get paid, right? But that's that's why the, the whole system... my job. Yeah, they are, though, you know? Like it's 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 bad. I've I've missed a friend that used to work for the TSA, and he was like, "No fucking way, I'm done. Like I can't do this." Really? Okay. Yeah, Yeah, I would I would think they'd get a lot of turnover. Um, (laughs) I missed a flight because of them once, just like taking their sweet ass time with like going through my shit. Let me guess, you know, you don't get any kickback because of that. It's just like, oh, sorry, too bad. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, definitely, you're just screwed. All right, man. Well, other than that. <laughs> uh, price wise this week um yeah so uh you know last week we talked about kind of i still think there's more juice to squeeze from here we've got the um you know the etfs coming up and the macro everything still looks pretty bullish um we were definitely we have definitely hit some big resistance areas that doesn't necessarily mean that the run is over um but this week Looked a little bit like a cool off week for crypto, although stocks seem to keep running um, depending on the stock. We also had we had some big uh, macro events hit the streets today. There was a Federal Reserve meeting um, and then we got inflation numbers. Sorry, not today, th- this week. Um, so I guess uh, the first thing we could talk about is the Fed meeting. So we haven't had a Fed meeting since I think it's October. So it's been a while and they didn't um, they didn't commit to lowering rates. They didn't commit to, they, they said that they're probably done raising rates, but that they don't want to tie their own hands. So, you know, that maybe uh, it could be appropriate to raise in the future still, but they're, they're pretty close. They said, Hey, we're, we think we're right about at that target. Um, this was the first meeting that they have ever said anything about the potential for cutting rates, like the conditions under which they might cut rates. For the past two years, since 2021, they have not said anything about the conditions under which um, they might cut rates. They said that's that's not appropriate. 
we're not near that point. Like there, there will be no rate cuts. We're going to continue to raise and to hold them um, higher for longer than what people thought. This was the first meeting, the very first meeting where they said, well, if such and such happens, maybe we could, we would end up lowering rates, but you know, obviously we'll play that in real time. So the market took that, um, let's go to the rates. The market took that very optimistically. And as we know, the markets like stock markets in general, especially stock markets, but markets in general, um, when it comes to the Fed bailing them out are ever optimistic because the Fed has always bailed them out basically for the most part. Um, that and you got a lot of liquidity sloshing around. So the markets have the liquidity um, to uh, to be optimistic. So the, the rates are here. Um, don't worry about these lines up here. That's stock markets and global liquidity. Okay. So You'll notice that rates are now starting to drop, I wouldn't say precipitously or anything like that, but they did take a pretty sharp um, turn to the downside. And you'll notice that the three-month and the six-month are now starting to look like they might come below the um, the federal funds rate, right? So um, currently sitting about 5.3%. So this, again, is one of those signs where it's like the, the typical pattern that we see, and I don't want to make a causation fallacy here. But the typical pattern we see is the Fed will raise rates, they'll sort of flat top level off, and then rates will start dropping below the federal funds rate, and then they'll drop off very quickly as the yield curve inversion corrects back to normal. And somewhere in that process, you like that's where you'll get some big risk off of it, where the stock market crashes for, I don't know, for like a week or a month or something like that until the Fed comes in and rescues it again. You'll notice that um, kind of a similar pattern happened here. Okay, so it, here's the stock market right here, the, uh, the candles. You can probably a little bit to make it easier to see. Um, I was looking at this earlier, but we'll take the federal or the global liquidity off. Okay, so here's the stock market. You'll notice that the, um, the 2020 crash, that's, that's kind of the pattern that we saw, although it was a little bit more long-lived. So the stock market's actually kept going up because rates are kind of coming down, you know, and so that makes access to liquidity a bit easier. Um, so there's kind of like, there, there's multiple mechanisms that happen here when it comes to bonds and rates and what they mean for the stock market. A lot of times the, the way in which they move is more important than the direction in which they move. So you'll notice that things were kind of, um, slowly coming down, slowly coming down. And all the while you've got these gains, stock market coming back. This was also the end of taper tantrum where the fed was like, we're going to taper our, our federal reserve balance sheet. We're going to, it's like watching paint dry. Let's say words. So basically all of the, um, the mortgage backed securities and stuff that they had purchased in 2009 to, um, to save the market from total collapse, um, total and permanent collapse. They um they were like trying to sell some of that balance sheet back into the market, but obviously, if you're selling houses or mortgage-backed securities, you know which is under the underlying asset is houses. If you're selling that back into the market, uh, well, you know you're kind of putting you're you're taking liquidity out of the market, right? You're you're taking dollars that were slushing around to go into some asset to buy something to you know that helps keep prices up. You're taking that money off of the market. So as you can imagine, um, that 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 is like that's generally negative, um. But, you know, there's other there's other things, too, that we have to consider in terms of like the bigger liquidity picture. Um, so anyways, OK, so we're looking here at uh, the 2020 crash and you'll notice things are kind of slowly coming down on on the rates. And so the market is kind of also slowly going up. And then uh, then we got the big crash here. And that all happened simultaneously with bonds crashing. Now, someone asked me to, to cover this um, to cover kind of like the action in the bond market. What happens is when big, massive risk off events start happening people don't want to be in the stock market, right? Like, especially big institutions that really know what's up. That's a 30, 33% loss. Like who wants to sit down for 33%? Like not even in crypto, do you want to sit for 33%? Like, okay, it happens, you know, we're more used to it. But so what happens is big institutions end up 
selling stocks and going into bonds because imagine that you have the opportunity to get into a bond let's just say um oh let's just say a, a two-year bond or, or even a one-year bond right because you want to ride out this whole uh you want to ride out all that that nastiness so you have the opportunity right here to get into a one-year bond at somewhere around one and a half percent or you can hang on to your stocks and lose 33 percent um so this is one reason that bond that yields drop so much um when risk-off events are in progress because People know that the Fed is going to lower rates eventually to save the market. And plus you have, so you have the, the people knowing that, like the, inst the institutional and the investors that, that know that's going to happen or at least strongly suspect it's going to happen. But the other thing that you have that causes these yields to fall off a cliff is that as demand increases for some bond, for somebody selling a bond, the person selling that bond doesn't really want to sell it to you at a high interest rate because that means they have to pay you more money in the future. They'd rather sell it at a low interest rate. So if the market is saturated for the product that you're offering, you're like, well, let's let's give them a little bit lower of a rate. You know, everyone wants our bonds. We don't we don't need to give them an attractive rate. So um, they'll sell it at lower and lower and lower rates as more and more and more people come to buy those bonds. So it's a flight to safety, effectively. And that flight to safety in a market sense forces yields down. But also the market anticipates. Um, and this is kind of what happened recently, what happened yesterday or this week. The market anticipates that the Fed is going to drop rates, and so bonds start coming down ahead of that decision because the market is forward-looking, basically. So this is the pattern that we've seen. We've seen it over and over again um, this decade where rates climb, climb, climb. The stock market continues to go up. I know this is a messy chart. I apologize, but there's no way. It's hard to show all this data um, in a way that's, that's easy to, to see. Maybe this is a little bit better. Um, okay, so rates climb, 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 climb. The Federal Reserve raises their, their target rates. You flat top. Um, the markets still continue to, to go up, and then things start coming to the downside. You have rates basically all moving down and mostly, for the most part, still lower than the federal, the federal funds rate, the overnight federal funds rate. And that's a sign. Again, that's a sign that, look, the market is going into a risk-off mode. Insiders probably know something you don't. And then you notice the market either it either falls in tandem or it falls just a little bit after. Like we're talking days to weeks. So for this whole area, it's not like for this for this part of the curve, we don't really have to worry too much because there's probably still gains on the way. You'll notice that things even started dropping and the market made another high. In fact, its all-time high was was right there. So right now, the kind of thing that we're looking at is you know, federal federal funds rate is now kind of at that flat top point and rates are starting to come to the downside. So what we're really going to be looking for is for these guys to get down here and then for more drops to continue happening. And we're going to be looking at that to, to try and determine if the market is entering a risk off mode. I still think that the most likely scenario is that there's more gains on the table here for the stocks. And um, that probably means crypto as well. So um, let's see. Let's take a look at the uh, the inflation numbers. Those came out as well. Um, there wasn't really much change here, actually. The core inflation held steady. Um, the, the CPI came back down just a little bit. So this is like generally good. So 4% is, is historically high for the past two decades. You'll notice that we didn't have 4% core inflation. Um, you have to go all the way back to the 80s to see that. So the Federal Reserve really, <clears throat> you know, they really do want to see this thing get down to the 2%, 3% area. Things are still a little bit high. The producer price index is now in trend. The CPI is now basically in trend. The core is still a little bit high. So um, I guess we'll just have to, to wait and see, you know, if that's going to happen or not. I really should take a deep dive at some point into the progressive changes they've made over the years uh, in terms of how they measure core and how, how they measure CPI, because 
you know, they can finagle those numbers and they've been, they've been slowly adjusting those numbers since the nineties. It's funny because um, the U S complained that Russia was always faking their numbers and then the U S started doing it. So it's like, we look at these numbers. Okay. This isn't definitely not the real inflation that's, that's happening. Um, they, they definitely juice these numbers and maybe not juice them, but they're definitely trying to like suppress these numbers in certain ways. Um, I just can't tell you how much, I guess shadow stats kind of says that. Um, but you know, I, I kind of like to see things, um, uh, for myself. So that's the macro picture. That's kind of like the big, um, broad background that's happening there. Um, housing. So this is the housing market. You'll notice again, we talk about this sawtooth. We're about to hit January. Um, and January is the point where, where housing tends to rebound to the upside. So especially with the macro situation as it is right now, expect housing to take a big bump, a big, um, like if you've been trying to sell your house and now with rates starting to come down, I bet you there's a whole bunch of people out there that were like waiting saying, Hey, maybe rates will come down eventually as rates come down, expect the housing market to pick up, um, the volume to pick up. And again, with the liquidity sloshing around and the gains happening, I imagine that a lot of that's going to spill into the housing market. So if you're trying to sell your house, um, it's, there's a good chance that, that you can fetch a decent price in the March, April, uh, March, April, May timeline. And that's like, that's the season for selling houses, selling and buying houses. It always happens in the spring and early summer. So, um, yeah, that's kind of what we're looking at on a macro picture. Maybe, um, I guess we'll, we'll, we'll go talk, we'll, we'll talk about crypto at the end here. Cause we're already like, um, deep into the macro. Okay. So here's the dollar index. And, um, I didn't, I didn't like how the dollar index kind of like, um, I didn't like how the dollar index right here just kind of like capped out. I really wanted to see it make it cleanly all the way to those levels. Uh, and it did not. So, um, I guess I can complain that the reverse repo market and them pulling shitloads of cash from there and the treasury printing a trillion dollars in Q3 and or maybe it was Q4. I don't know, but they're printing a trillion dollars at a time now. Um, you know, maybe that has something to do with the dollar stopping a little bit short of where kind of the target areas were at and then, and then reversing at the moment. Um, it's taken a really, really big dip as of the past week. Again, this is the market's just pumping. This is kind of that inverse correlation that you see the Dixie tends to have in a big broad sense. It's not like, it's not one for one. It's not day to day, but sometimes it is day to day. And, uh, and that kind of happens. So we had a big drop off dollar index is now at some pretty significant support area. Uh, I don't know. I don't, I'm really, actually, I don't know what this chart's going to do. I mean, obviously I don't know what any chart's going to do, but um, in this case, I, I don't really have any opinions what happens here. This is one of those cases where it's like, there's big liquidity moving in the markets. There's still $800 billion of reverse repos. Um, you've got the treasury. So the, the U S treasury department now said that they're going to, they, they're going to buy their own treasuries if they need to, because um, their sales have been like, terrible. No one wants to buy their treasuries. But apparently, um, maybe recently, because people think that um, yields are going to go down, the Federal Reserve is going to lower rates. Maybe people are interested in buying treasuries now um, because they want to get into a good rate before rates start coming down, right? Because you want to lock in that that five percent that markets are sitting at. That maybe it's only like four and a half percent if you're getting into a longer term treasury, but you want to get into those treasuries now and you want to lock in that nice guaranteed uh, yield before rates go down, and then you try and buy and you're like, well, I'm only getting two percent now. Um, so. Yeah, who knows what's going to happen with this dollar chart. Uh, this is one of those situations where like it could just hang out down here at the bottom and then crash or it could hang out at the bottom and then rebound. At the moment, I guess it looks stable. You would say, okay, dollar index looks relatively stable. And that's, I mean, you want that. That's what you want if you want to see the market make gains. So, you know, a little bit of up, a little bit of down, kind of range bound. So that's what the dollar is looking like. Gold, uh, this is this is good action, right? This is good action with gold here because, um, you know, it had the, the, big, the big wick. It set new all-time highs. Uh, and then came back down. Okay. But, um, basically this is gold saying, Hey, we're getting frothy. We're really thinking about, uh, about making a big move here. 
it stopped out here and then uh, and then held its own this week. This is the weekly chart, by the way. They probably don't don't really need to, but um, yeah, I mean, so gold is probably going to consolidate a little bit um, here in this range, and uh, where we are again, we're still looking for gold at some point to pump um, and to sort of signal to us that that the the bull market really really is on, because at the moment, yes, the Nasdaq has technically made a new all time high, um, and yes, it's sitting above those all time highs. This could be resistance. It's hard to say that because, again, it's always hard to call, even if it's a temporary top, it's hard to say the stock market is done um, pumping or done making a move because it's just like stocks are just so optimistic. That's like the headliner thing that the politicians and the Fed and everyone, even though the Fed doesn't say it, like that's the thing they want you to look at and be like, look how good the economy is. Everyone's making money. And it kind of works because uh, America exports inflation. They, ex you know, we export dollars. Um, so that's like the, that, that, that's why that works. That's why he can point at the stock market and say the economy is good because uh, the stocks are high because we're exporting our inflation, just kind of how that works. So in a, in a larger sense from the wave magic levels, really, like if we get some major pump, the next place to, to look at here are these purple lines. Like, usually when the stock market is a bull in a bull market, it'll just ride these purple bands um, in between like blue and purple bands for long periods of time. Um, maybe if, if I can slide this chart over, I may or may not be able to. Um, okay, yeah, hopefully that's hopefully that looks a little bit more convincing to you. So when stocks are in like years long, long term macro bull markets, you'll notice that they they ride these purple bands. Um, and when I was like sort of inventing this this concept that I call wave magic, the overlaying multiple Bollinger bands on top of each other, these purple bands are not standard deviations. They're not even like two or three standard deviations. They're like a derivative of the standard deviation. It's like it's like you're looking at the standard deviation of the line which came before it, the moving standard deviation of the blue lines, and then plotting that in addition, like adding that to the blue lines. So when you get markets really start pumping, it it sort of moves, you could almost call it exponential, like the, these purple bands will move in an exponential fashion. Anyways, I was when I was plotting the these like multiple Bollinger bands overlaying this, I noticed that the stock market like they often these Bollinger bands weren't useful because the stock market would just be so frothy. It would just be above them so much. So I said, is there any way that I can like extend this? Like I don't want to use two times the standard deviation or three times the standard deviation because that's arbitrary. Like you're, you're choosing some multiplier there. And I thought it was arbitrary. So um, I found a way to, um, to sort of extend that without making it arbitrary using like sort of like fundamental, a fundamental idea that, that, that I think seems to work. Um, and there's no like arbitrary multiplier constants that I need to use. Anyways, the point is that um, stocks, when they get back into a bullish scenario, stocks are going to, um, are basically going to ride these purple bands. You're going to see them get up here and then they're just going to stay, you know, they're going to bounce around in that, in that zone. Um, let's see. Let's see. Uh, we talked a little bit about the reverse repos. You'll notice that, uh, how much was that? Yeah. Another 120 billion um, just came out of the reverse repo. Oh, sorry, 170 billion came out of the reverse repo markets this past week. So again, um, this is this is liquidity. This is money that can go somewhere. This is money that can buy bonds. Probably a lot of this money is actually just buying bonds, um, which is good. Like in in the terms of gains, like you need bonds to be stable and relatively strong. You don't want to see like the value of bonds falling off a cliff. You don't want to see you don't want to see yields pumping massively. You don't want to see them crashing massively. You want to see them stable. That's the thing that that convinces stock markets to pump is stable bond markets. You can be trending up. You can be trending down. It's fine. doesn't matter. It just needs to be trending in a gentle fashion, not a violent fashion. Uh, let's go to, let's go to Monero. Um, this is XMRBT. Let's go to Monero. Um, yeah, somehow this lower line is still relevant. I don't know why. 
Uh, I don't know why I put that. As oh, yeah, someone had asked me about. Oh, that was uh, that was Alaska. Yeah, Alaska last week asked me about um, about the potential for um, sort of taking your pay in Monero and then using the 200 SMA as a means of determining if um, if you need to to be cautious or if you can be optimistic. So like, um, you know, if Monero price was uh, was really significantly above the 200 day moving average, you would say, OK, maybe uh, this Monero is worth a little bit more than it's going to be worth in the coming weeks. Um, so I'll you know, I'll be careful there. Or maybe if Monero is below this line, you would say, okay, well, um, this is this less than probably what Monero is going to be worth. Even though um, the dollar value of what I have is lower, I can expect that to probably return to uh, re return to sort of the 200-day the average. Um, anyways, so that was, that's for Alaska there um, that you had asked about that last week. So, yeah, somehow uh, somehow this line is still, still relevant. Uh, somehow Monero is still not able to get above our uh, last year, like when the rest of the market was just crap. Um, and just barely starting to recover, like Monero had already significantly recovered um, almost to $200. And somehow we just can't make it up to $200. Um, some people are wondering now if Kraken, uh, why is it not here? All right. Well, we'll just talk about it, I guess. There was a there was a situation with Kraken where they were down for like an hour overnight. Um, their withdrawals were down for an hour. And we saw some people on Reddit complaining. And, and so uh, Kraken came out. And they said, um, they responded, they said, hey, no problem. Um, there was, there were Monero funding delays. Some clients experienced delays with their XMR withdrawals and this incident has been resolved. Okay. And then people were asking them like, well, what do you mean by funding delays? Like what, what exactly, like how, how is there a funding delay? Don't you have all the funding? Um, and then, so like, for example, I asked them, I said, Hey, is this like a, a cold wallet, hot wallet segregation where you kind of have to like, you have to manually move funds from the hot wallet or from the cold wallet to the hot wallet, um, as like a, as a safety mechanism, you know, or do you have liquidity partners that perform just in time funding to meet withdrawals? That, that was the trap question really, <laughs> which of course they didn't respond to any of it. Um, you know, or maybe, maybe something like, Oh, we have a security system, which, which monitors all withdrawals and has to approve the funding, um, of those withdrawals. And, uh, we had a bug in the system that was freezing everything for a period of time. And it was the middle of the night. So we, you know, someone had to go review it and, and, uh, remove that, remove that trigger, but they never responded. They never, it was very, very general. In fact, it was the kind of very highly generalized response that you get suspicious. Cause you're like, I believe you're telling the truth, but what does that mean exactly? And why won't you elaborate and specify what that means? Um, it was only for an hour in the middle of the night. Um, this the 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 thing that like the thing that was really suspicious, the thing that made us say, guys, this doesn't look right, is because Binance was down for like twelve, was it twelve or eighteen hours that same day, overlapping with Kraken. Binance withdrawals were down, um, and they haven't gone down for that long since last year, right? Like if y'all remember, we had twenty twenty two and and half of twenty twenty one where Binance was just shutting down withdrawals for days, often days, sometimes a week or two at a time, and 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 then suddenly that stopped in January of this year, and we we're like, that's interesting. Why did that stop? How did that stop? Um, and then so Binance has not been down for a long time. Like okay, we, you'll see it, you'll see them down for like one hour or two hours every month or so, but that's that's not a big deal. Like that's nothing. Um, but they went down for like 12 to 18 hours um, this past week. And then Kraken mysteriously goes down for withdrawals for an hour, which is very unusual for Kraken. And it happens at the same time. And then Kraken gives this like, they, they give this kind of like, uh, it, sound, it sounds truthful, but you know maybe slightly evasive or not complete information kind of answer. And then they don't respond to, to requests for more specified information. And so um, there, there is some like, there is some suspicion there, you know, and then obviously um, Kraken got sued by the SEC recently. And so there's questions over like, okay, well, how much, 
how deeply, like what kinds of really shady things could be happening in the background? Was Kraken like fully reserved or mostly fully reserved? And then they got hit by the government and is the government hate Monero enough to pay attention to it to like cause fractional reserve to suppress the price while everything else is pumping? I don't know, man. That's like super, that's like, that's going pretty tinfoil, right? That's going highly speculative. Um, but that's just like, you're just brainstorming. So, okay, what could be the case? What could be happening? Like to, to pretend that these guys would not do something um, that is in their benefit. When I say these guys, I mean like the sort of deep state cabal. I mean, um, the crypto insiders, like we've seen every manner of um, fraud happen um, in a financial sense, in a medical sense. We've seen them do every kind of fraud. So it's like everything is on the table for what they might be doing. It's just a matter of what do we have evidence that they could be doing. And we don't want to jump to conclusions. And Kraken has been good to us for the most part. It seems like, <laughs> at least relatively, compared to everyone else, Kraken has been pretty good to Monero by not freezing withdrawals, by having by at least reserving at least enough to never really have to freeze withdrawals. And this was only an hour. So I'm just kind of like sort of like stream of consciousness there about like, okay, well, how can we think about this? What are the like, we don't want to jump to conclusions. We don't want to accuse them and point, shake the finger at them because maybe they did. Maybe everything's fine there. And um, maybe it was here. Here's a theory. It could just be that finance was out of Monero again. And they were like, they were just like pulling as much as they could from Kraken. They're like, we need more. We need more. People are taking Monero. Like, we don't have enough Monero. And Kraken went down for the withdrawals because they're like, uh, someone's withdrawing a shitload of Monero. And we need to like put a stop on this and put a human to review uh, to, to put eyeballs on what's happening here just to make sure that we didn't get hacked or something. It so could be as innocuous as that. I would just like it if they would, you know, say, Hey, this is, this is what happened. So, um, okay. Yeah. Hopefully that's, hopefully that's, um, kind of a bit of a long limit. Freedom. Say what? Got to limit freedom. They're like, it's too much, too much. Gotta, gotta keep it down a little bit. There's so much freedom happening. We think we got hacked. No, <laughs> Okay, so anyways, yeah, Monero is like still just being our lovely little stable coin. We did like pump above just slightly, right? We got seven, eight dollars above that one seventy capping level, and then came right back down um, as the rest of the market uh, kind of hit their resistances and cooled off. Uh, Monero versus Bitcoin. You'll notice again, we still continue to be inversely associated. That the ratio of Monero to Bitcoin continues to be inversely associated to the price movements of Bitcoin USD and the total market cap of crypto. Which again, is just weird, you know, like that typically shouldn't happen. Um, I really should compare against multiple, multiple assets to see if there's anything else that's inversely correlated. Maybe some of the other coins, which are alleged to be uh, fractionally reserved, like Bitcoin Cash. And um, I don't know if Doge anymore. There was like accusations that Binance had fractionally leveraged, fractionally reserved Doge. Uh, Monero versus Ethereum is, uh, yeah, I mean, it's just kind of like hanging out in this in-between space right here. If there's more gains to be had, if the market is going to continue pumping as a whole, like as a broad, you know, as, as a broad market. We can probably expect the Ethereum to Monero ratio to, to go down, right? We're probably going to end up here in this area at some point um, if we do think the market's going to continue pumping there. Uh, let's go to the overall crypto market. So oh, we're on BL. Let's go to BDUSD. Uh, okay, so eh, we don't need to be on the weekly either. Maybe we'll just go to the two date. Okay. All right. So um, you'll notice that like Bitcoin is basically hitting these big headliner um, standard deviation areas. Um, like we've talked about for a few weeks now, really we've talked about for months that if things were going to be positive, if things were going to pump, that we're really, really looking to this area, both for the fact of that was the last, um, that was the last sort of top out point before the bear market really crashed and everyone started going bankrupt. Um, and then also the standard deviation analysis puts us here. So, um, it, we got the ETFs, you know, so there was another, was it Valkyrie or I don't remember who it was, pro shares, doesn't matter. Another ETF got added to the DTCC list. Uh, I don't know what DTCC stands for, but you might not know this, but when you buy a stock in the stock market, um, Fidelity does not hold that stock for you on your behalf. Um, the 
something trade commission look that up before today's show the dtcc also called the street holds stocks like they basically do like the deep back end um sort of custody of all these assets of all these different equity assets in, in digital form um they're the ones that that hold these stocks um when you buy them it's not even like fidelity uh, fidelity is just like the um the matchmaker um sometimes the liquidity provider or um all right, that, that doesn't matter. But the point is that if you want to get your equity asset added in a digital sense to the trading markets, you need a DTCC to add you to their list of stuff that they have. They they added at least one other uh, Bitcoin ETF. Um, this was, I think, a couple months ago. And then they recently added another Bitcoin ETF to like their sort of like database. It doesn't mean that they've added it like to be tradable or anything, but it got added in an official sense um, for their like reporting purposes. So um, that signifies that... Um, you know, it's it's just another little like drop in the bucket that these ETFs are probably going to be approved. Um, there, there's like this nuance about um, cash creates and like the way in which they the ETF um, trades in and out and like balances their books. Uh, obviously, the SEC is making them do the one that's that's going to create more fees and make it more difficult for them to uh, you know for for these ETFs. But um, ETFs like the the people leading them, the, the companies that have them that propose them. They're basically capitulating to the SEC right here saying like, okay, um, yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll do it that way. We don't want to do it that way, but we'll do it that way. So um, that's just kind of like a small little win for the SEC. But in the, in the bigger picture, um, the fact that that is happening means that real negotiation is happening, taking place, and that probably these ETFs are going to be. Approved. So I say that to point out that if they're going to be approved, that, that just, again, that lines up with this whole idea that there's more juice to be squeezed. There's more pump to happen. Of course, you know, there's got to be a bit of a consolidation um, that's going to happen before things really take off to the upside. And um, it's it's not too surprising that we would get um, a stop and pullback and some consolidation here in this area. Because, again, um, humans are statistical processing machines in aggregate and the market, quote unquote, people know when you're coming up to these big headliner areas where um, where things have been before whether that's horizontal areas of significance, which everybody like knows about, or whether it's just the intuition that, man, things have gone quite a long way. We need to take a, a stop and pullback point. So that's kind of like, when I look at these statistical charts, I kind of think of them significantly in terms of um, aggregate um, market sociology or psychology. So um, yeah, I mean, it's in that zone. That doesn't mean that we can't go above. These charts often will go above. You'll often see something do that. Um, and that's what we saw last bull market actually, or last rebound off the bear market was um, we actually, you beat the standard deviation areas. People are bullish for a little bit and then they come back down. It's rare, rare for you to actually come up here, do this, and then go to the, to the upside just immediately. The stock market can do it because the stock market is beloved by, uh, by the insider cabal and by the Federal Reserve and, and everyone else. So they, they can do that with the stock market. It gets special consideration. Most assets like Bitcoin don't just pump to the top side of massive macro standard deviation levels and then, uh, and then keep going. So again, this is effectively a resistance area that we're looking at, but that doesn't mean that the gains are over. It just means that we probably, you know, things might need to take a little break here. Um, or maybe um, maybe some big news comes out or some small news comes out, or maybe the market just gets bullish again and, and things um, start pumping next week. That could happen. So the point is that, like, we're, I am looking personally to take profits on um, on effectively on shitcoin positions. Um, I'm looking for, for good exits. I still think there's more juice to be squeezed, which means that um, my own fear and greed index is on the greedy side here at this point. So... Um, like AVAX here has been pumping. I have an XX this morning. Is it done? Oh, nice. AVAX went up another, wow, 10% this morning. Okay. Um, yeah. So AVAX was kind of one of those like insurance plays I told you guys about that. I felt like, Hey, this thing could probably, um, do better than, 
than other coins. It will, should probably do better <clears throat> than Bitcoin um, in a in a in a broad bullish sense. So, Wait, what's what's um, Avax again? What is Avax is uh, Avax is a gossip protocol. Um, hang on one second. Oh. Sorry, excuse me. Um, yeah, so Avax is a gossip protocol. They did a ten percent pre mine, so um, you know there's there's the scam that everyone can uh, can shout about. Um, it's it's effectively a, a directed acyclic graph, a DAG as they call it, and it's a gossip protocol because transactions are validated by a random sort of um, gossip process, which happens where everyone's like, okay, well I see this and I see this, well I see this and this and this, and so if everyone's like. It can be the case, and usually it's going to be the case that everyone's like, oh, I see the same thing. Oh, we all see the same thing. Once you reach a threshold, um, you consider the transaction to be um, uh, locked in, or there's a term for it, I forget. Um, Ethereum has it too, where it's like irreversible, immutable, or I'm, that's not the right term, but something like that. But yeah, AVEX is very interesting because it's highly scalable because you don't need everybody in the network to see every transaction to be able to validate that those transactions are happening. And so you've got the main, like, it's not a beacon chain, but okay, let's just use Ethereum terminology. It's like a beacon chain. It's like the, the main chain. And then you get like subnets that you can split off of that. So um, effectively, it's highly scalable. You can make very particular subnets that have specific purposes. And um, you can even like recreate, um, you can like re, you can recreate entire chains as a subnet on AVAX um, because it's like highly generalized in, in the way that um, you can code. Recently, we had Amazon. So earlier this year, Amazon was like, we're looking into AVAX. That's interesting technology. And then um, who was the last guy? It was like, it was, I think, 10 days ago or seven days ago. Another big company, and I don't remember who it was, but some major company, like we're talking like a Fangs, you know, Facebook, Amazon, Netflix, Google, one of those like types of companies was like, we're looking into AVAX because um, because it could be useful for us. So um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's an interesting, like, again, it's one of those things. It's like, it's a combination of, for me, like one of the, my thought process in selecting AVAX and Link specifically is that there's a combination of a fundamentally unique use case and technology and a good narrative and community around it um, that has high potential for big pumps. So like for Link, for example, like Link operates across multiple chains. It runs oracles. It's And yes, it's got problems like, please don't shout me down. You guys out there like Link is they're centralized. Yeah, I know they're centralized. Okay. And yes, I know that they fucking cheated the oracles when everyone was going bankrupt and they stopped the liquidation from happening by misreporting or not reporting for like 15 minutes. And they stopped like they prevented the liquidation that should have happened. Okay. Yes, I know that. But that doesn't matter. <laughs> like if we're talking about price. We're talking about gains here. That doesn't matter. Link has a interesting community or they've got like a vocal community. They've got a good narrative. They've got a unique use case. They've got a product that does things that no one else does, even if it's centralized. And so it's going to be important for DeFi going into the future, like end of story, like period. It's going to be important. There's nothing else that does what it does. And there's or at least at the level that it does it. AVAX is another one of these coins that's a bit newer than Link. But again, it's very interesting. It's got unique technology. They've got a good narrative. Um, they're showing like that it that it can be useful. Although um, um, it looks like the fees shot up recently. Let's, uh, uh, Vic, Vic just said that on the comments there that, yeah, that um, AVAX fees shot up recently. So um, yeah, I don't know. That would be worth looking into, um, you know, to see why that happened because it's supposed to be scalable. It's supposed to be scalable. So maybe, uh, maybe that's a growing pain. I don't know, but, um, yeah, AVEX is interesting. And so it was one of my plays. I said, okay, fundamentally it seems interesting. And then also it's got a good narrative. So let's just buy this as an insurance play in case I'm wrong, because I expect that it should pump more than other coins. Um, if, uh, if we are actually going into a, into a big bull, um, positive moment here. So that was months ago. Um, and so far it's, you know, it's, it's been doing pretty good. So, um, it, it's going to be difficult to, to sell it because at the same time, it's like, well, you know, what happens if it does a 10x next year and I sold, right? And I never got back in, right? So there's there's that to contend with. Maybe I'll just sell half or maybe I won't sell it at all. Um, so yeah, anyways, whew, okay. Um, enough on shitcoins for today. 
And um, I think there's really not much here, not much else to talk about. Um, we've got the, uh, the, the Bitcoin dominance um, just kind of hanging out a little bit flat still in this triangle. Um, I, I mean, I, I, it does look like, okay, the market is getting convinced of a bullish scenario. You're starting to see the old rats come out of the woodwork. You're starting to see people talk about the, the massive gains, the, the mad gains on the way here. Um, all that stuff is happening. That can continue for a period of time. So, um, you know, again, that's in my mind, eventually that ends up as exit liquidity. Um, I guess we'll just have to wait and see there. Uh, last thing, let's take a look at the Bitcoin stock market. I haven't looked at Bitcoin versus stocks in a while. Um, yeah, so like Bitcoin is even doing well still relative to the stock market, even though the stock market has been putting on um, pretty big pumps uh, for the stock market. You know, like 10 to 15% move in the stock market is like massive celebrations and champagne bottles for those guys. 10% for us, you know, it's, it's like a Tuesday. Uh, so anyways, Bitcoin's still doing pretty good relative to the stock market. Um, and this is the total market cap relative to the stock market. Don't worry that it says Bitcoin up there. I've done all the magic here on the scripts um, so that we're looking at total and not Bitcoin. Um, but yeah, so, uh, even the total crypto market cap is still doing good relative to stocks. Uh, I guess that's about it. Does, does anyone have any questions? Should I check the YouTube? I'm always so bad. I'm sorry, guys. I don't mean to ignore your questions. Uh, I just forget. Yeah, yeah, any, any questions out there, post them up. Body will answer them. Throw them in the comments. Uh, There's like one or two questions last we got week. A lot of, uh, we got a, we're up to like 40 live viewers today. We got a nice. A lot of people popping in. Smash the like. You will yeah, smash you will, we won't like say it enough, I guess, because I said that a few times. It actually helped. Now, now I understand why people say it all the time. <laughs> I like mean, I know when I'm watching, I want to I want to upvote something and I forget. And then someone says smash the like. I'm like, oh, yeah, I forgot to like this video. <laughs> yep, here you go. Have a like, sir. Here we go. Body. Uh, body. What does Chainlink do that's unique? So Chainlink operates on multiple chains and allows you to um, coordinate DeFi and coordinate oracles, like things like price feeds for, say, the stock market or Tesla. Um, you want to get, or maybe even a football game, right? You want to get some kind of like outside information onto the blockchain, onto a blockchain, any blockchain, so that you can, um, you can do some kind of like DeFi stuff there. So Chainlink uh, among, I think one of many things it does, it acts as an Oracle across multiple chains. They have a token, um, that, uh, that's specific to link and like link, for example, link doesn't need Ethereum. Um, it's integrated significantly into Ethereum DeFi, but it doesn't need Ethereum. It can operate on any EVM chain. And I think it operates on AVAX. I have to assume that they would have already have some AVAX stuff there. So um, yeah, Link is like a, it's it's um, an interchain coordinator um, for various information and things like Oracles. All right. There we go. Uh, powers so cross powers DeFi. Cross DeFi. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. All right, buddy. Awesome, man. Thank you so much. Thank you. As always, please stick around if you can. I've actually got to bounce out here. Okay, no worries. All right. no worries. Thanks, all. Thanks as always, buddy. Appreciate it, man. Thank you, guys. Have a good okay. one. Okay, so do we got our special guest? I've been hitting them up in the chat. Oh, wait, now they're... I don't see anybody in there. No, we had somebody in there oh, earlier. We had somebody in there earlier. Gone. I'm DMing with Cuban Warrior. Hey, man, you're jumping on. He said, oh, Douglas, yes. Oh, we got Seafolk. Who is Seafolk? Uh, I think it's somebody that just wants to... Ask him some questions, but Cuban Warrior, we need you to jump up. While we wait, should we move on to what we should do the news? Um, we can. I don't have any of the link browsers, so I'll have to... or I mean, if he doesn't show up, well, I guess he just gets. We could bring. I guess Sea Folk just gets to talk crap oh, all he wants. Here we go. Here we go. We got oh, somebody. Oh, no, that's Ramsey. That's Ramsey. Um, yeah, I guess bring. Let, let's run the special guest segment and bring Sea Folk up. 
All right, let's do it. The Mineratopia guest segment is sponsored by Cake Wallet. Store, send, receive, and exchange your Monero and Bitcoin safely on iOS and Android too. Cake Wallet is open source, and you always control your own keys. You know, Cake Wallet seems like a cool company. I don't know. Just looks cool. <laughs> Something about it. Hello, Seafolk. Hey, hello, hello. Uh, you can hear me? Yeah, we hear you. How's it yeah, going? We hear you loud and clear, man. Uh, so like I said, too, my, my English is really bad, but uh, I can fully understand what you say. So Yeah, it's not too bad. Just uh, yeah, speak, speak slowly and we, we, we can understand. You're good, man. You're good. Okay, okay. So okay, uh, well, yeah. So yeah, no, I know you reached out because you saw Cuban Warriors post, and you're also from Cuba, right? And I yeah. guess you had some some questions for him or some insights about it. I'm looking. I mean, yes. he's so for those that are don't know what we're talking about, we had maybe, maybe we could do a share screen here. We had the Cuban Warrior who has been using Kuno to raise funds to build a what he's calling it a Monero mesh network um and he built it in some town village in cuba we're not exactly sure where i don't think he ever revealed the location and he's done i think two or three successful kunos already for it um he's raised over like 30 30 xmr and now he's looking to raise another 36 xmr for a fourth phase so he's built these mesh networks in some town and looks like he's trying to expand it to other areas uh that's the rundown sounds amazing right using monero people are donating this is kind of the dream come true and he's building out a network that uh in theory is provi- providing people essentially anonymous or uh censorship resistant proof access to the internet so all things that align beautifully with monero um but Seafolk, i think you you may have some questions you may see some issues with this or what, what's your take um, okay, I can give a, I can give a lot of details on how internet goes in, works in Cuba. Uh, I can go very technical with, with that, but uh, since my English is bad for me, well, uh, I can go, uh, if you can bring here a, a translator, we can speak better. Uh, we don't have our in-house translator today. We usually have Andres, but he's uh, at a... Asado uh, in uh, in Argentina. He's at a barbecue. I think with some, chilling with some Bitcoiners and Monero people right now. Actually, um, I think I think we can. Give it a shot. You're, you're not too bad. Um, well, um, there is a lot to say uh, in what Cuban warriors say. Um, I was literally I was listening to the space uh, like a few weeks ago. Um, mm-hmm. uh, like uh, like ninety noventa per percent like almost all. Uh, he was uh, saying it was like gibberish, like very untrue, very uh, illogical. Because okay. for example, for example, I am I am an, an, an NFT artist. I contacted uh, I contacted human using my NFT account on Twitter, on X. So I live uh, I have uh, three nationalities: Spain, Bolivian, and Cuban. So I move I move around countries a lot. But I am now in Cuba. I am working with internet in Cuba. I I work with uh, blockchain in Cuba. So uh, the entire point of a uh, a person not being able to, not being able to to connect to internet in Cuba, well, uh, only by being existing and working here is probably wrong. 
Mm. So you're, you're saying you're saying there's there's no issue with connecting to the internet for the average Cuban citizen. Yes, there is a, there is a lot of issues on the on the day to day things. The internet companies a monopoly. Um, uh, they can shoot the internet uh, due to political reasons, but that's not something you can see on the on the daily basics. Daily basics, sorry. So uh, for the day-to-day Cuban, um, there is internet. You can connect whenever you want. It's a little expensive for the normal for the normal worker because, uh, for example, uh, a medium a medium income here is around. Uh, you know, uh, twenty dollars, twenty dollars, pro- probably thirty, and um, I mean, eight gigas, eight gigas of internet are around uh, two dollars. Mm. So we 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 don't have internet at home most uh, most of the time. Uh, everyone everyone connects using uh, mobile data, so you have to pay to connect uh, for. You uh, you buy a uh, a plant data uh, and when it's done it's done you have to buy another. It, uh, there is nothing like uh, internet at home. You, uh, we uh, we call it in Spanish tarifa plana, like you know, normal, normal Wi-Fi on, on on any place. There are mm-hmm. some there are some homes with uh, with Wi-Fi, uh, but uh, since it's really really slow, there, uh, there is almost almost no point on hiring that uh, that type of service. Okay. Now, I mean, but basically, so he, I don't think he, he's not claiming that nobody can access the internet. He's more so saying that he's building a mesh network that will make internet access resistant to censorship uh, or, I guess, being tracked or traced by the government when people are using the internet. Um, so there's, there's definitely value there, right? If he's actually building this thing. So he says he will anonymously allow people to access the internet over tails. And tour uh, using his mesh network, but yeah, go ahead. What's what's your what's your thinking uh, on that? Um, okay, well, uh, Q1 government can can see what you what you make or or what you do in the internet when you use uh, state apps like you know uh, bank apps or or very specific uh, ways no, application. But in the, in the daily basics, I can talk with you on uh, here and. There is no way the government the government can know that I'm talking with you because they don't have the technical ways to uh, spy uh, on the connection. Because, uh, for example, when you're when you're using WhatsApp, uh, Meta can see whatever whatever they want, but Meta is not is not is not going to give you it's not going to give the the Cuban state the info of that same same things uh, happens to Facebook, uh, Instagram, Twitter. So. Uh, the the anonymato uh, the the freedom of of, of speech behind a, a a profile without a KSC without a, a picture is there so and also uh, every internet connection on the island is uh, is um, how to say it is provided by the internet company that is a state company there is no way he can go around and create another uh, uh, internet connection or have another internet connection because that will be highly illegal, and he can go to jail. So the that's, state has more control over the internet providers there than they do in most the countries. State, the, the state, the state is the internet provider. Okay, yeah, that's so. All right. So by that, by use, by using this mesh network and tails and Tor, I mean you're saying that that doesn't give users any 
any protections no. in terms of privacy and uh, and uh, take, all right, uh, take the island like an island like uh, a, a piece of land without a connection to the to other lands only only by sea yeah same same thing uh, happens with internet all the, so you're all saying the that people are... can't even use tor yes can they can use tor i use oh, i use blockchain every day what i mean is that if you want to get another internet connection another pro internet provider is impossible so you can connect to internet you can be anonymous you want you can be you can have work with blockchain the government the government the government government can can't know what you're doing you can uh, be a, a, a don't know a, a, a Cuban freedom fighter like they do they refer, refer to themselves and the government the government can know uh, who are you But uh, but you can go you can go and and said no pues there is no way you can search for another internet provider. So what he is claiming uh, to resume uh, is oh wait he's on he's on let's bring him up. All right, good, great. Oh, did he disappear? Oh, I think he just disappeared. Yeah, yeah. I know. So he, he's having using the internet, so it's not, it's not good everywhere. Um, hmm. All right. Well, I, I really hope he jumps up because. Uh, I want him to be able to explain himself here. He has raised a significant amount of Monero, like over 30 Monero already. And now he's asking for like another 36. Uh, like I said, if, if he's actually building these mesh networks, I think I think it's a very cool project and he's funding it with the, by the Monero community. Uh, but I would like to fully understand what the true value is here. Um, go ahead, man. Continue. Um, what I was saying though, uh, for, uh, about internet is like... Uh, You can be uh, you can be anon. You can connect to blockchain. You can do whatever you want. Government don't uh, don't have an, a tool to uh, to spy to to share for that to to see what are you what are you doing. But uh, there is no way you can find another internet provider. You got me there. Uh, Tux, you follow that logic? What are you saying? Yeah, is that there's no other there's no other ISP, right? It's just the state that runs the internet service. Right. So at that point, but are you at least obfuscating like your 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 IP and who you are when you're accessing the internet? Sorry, Tux, maybe maybe you could um, better express what I'm trying to say, but I mean I would think there'd still be value added if you could Yeah, because uh, he's what he's doing is making it. tour by default, basically. Right. With his mesh network. Uh, like a, like a VPN. Yeah, exactly. I use I, I I'm talking with I'm talking with you with with a VPN right now. Okay. I I use you know, also because for for example Meta Meta and some other pages have like a a blockade through 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 location. I have to use a VPN to connect in the almost every day. There is um there is some Medially good uh, internet VPN uh, that are free. I use a paid VPN, so no, no on that also. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah, okay. So that that makes. So you're saying like that? There's really no because anybody could just use use a VPN or something like that. Uh, um, uh, Galatas, you, uh, sorry, but, uh, the GUI with the comment Galatas is a really good Spanish speaker. I know the GUI from my community. If you can bring he. Oh, tell me, yeah, yeah. Drop the link, um, Tux. Drop the link there, and uh, Galatos can, can jump. You know, okay. So go ahead. Uh, 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 another, another, another fun fact there uh, that made me laugh a lot 
de, 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 de Good Name, de, de, de alias, Cuban Warrior, translate, mm. translates to Cubano Guerrero, o Guerrero Cubano, that is a, is a name from a, a very known profile on Twitter that is uh, aligned with uh, state state interest. So, so you, you, you know, so you go what I mean, no? The, Mm. There is a so profile. You, say, you, say you might be a state, a state actor. Is that what you're saying? No, 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 no. Without, without being disrespectful, without being disrespectful, what I mean is that the guy behind the government, the government government account, uh, doesn't know almost anything about how, uh, um, how, how uh, tw uh, Twitter or, or or socials work in Cuba. So he probably not. He probably don't know. Who even Cubano Guerrero or Cuban Warrior is in is in, in the in the real life? So he's using that alias because uh, because uh, it's a good, it's a good alias. Cuban Warrior has some points, but but in the uh, the funny thing is that in Spanish there is also uh, a profile on X that I think was banned uh, that represents uh, the interest of the government. So that is funny because you have. The English version that is against that and want to achieve freedom, and you have the Spanish version that is uh, rooting for uh, oppressing you. So, mm, okay, okay. Um, yeah, I mean, we really need him to join so he could ex kind of engage with you here and uh, explain his side. We had him on, I guess it was a month or so ago at this point, uh, with others asking questions. And I mean, honestly, so with these kudos. We, we never, you know, it, it's hard to determine if somebody's actually doing what they say. Um, once they do it, though, they should be able to show proof. I mean, we've seen we've seen photos and pictures. It looks like he's doing something. Um, I don't know. Tux, 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 what's your thinking on this? Hmm. So basically what you're saying, Seafolk, is that it's it's a lot easier to get around some of the the government's like probably dns block list right like their great firewall or whatever then uh yes. cuban warriors making it out to be and this is like a lot of unnecessary work for people who could just use a vpn or just use tor themselves exactly interesting oh it looks like he oh, here, you go, here you go i hope he can stay on all right get him up get him up yeah, cuban warrior can you hear us oh what the hell what's oh, going on i don't know Mm. He was able to uh, he's able to join because uh, we had. Uh, uh, I, I I'm going to comment something. Uh, there is a real issue with the with the internet in Cuba sometimes, but it's almost related uh, with the with the state of the connection of the in, in of the. Wait, wait. It's related with the infrastructure of the. Oh, Sorry, I'm here. We kind of lost. Uh, there, there are some problems sometimes with the internet connection, but it's also it's also related yeah. with the with the state of the of the of the of the network per se. So, for example, uh, if 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 um, I do not know how to say in, in English, a post a provider uh, an ISP an, ante an antenna is is broken can be broken for a month or something like that. There is no internet on the on the most remote areas of the, of Cuba also. So if you are in, in a remote area, well, it makes sense that you want to uh, get a nano, a, a, a Wi-Fi beam, and get some internet there, but uh, and create a mesh for the area. But uh, you don't need you you don't need Monero for that, and and yeah, and, and it's not uh, about the privacy yeah, that you can get for that. It will be uh, entirely for just get internet there. 
<laughs> so okay. he's, I noticed he's he's doing this through the LTE data connection. Is the cell tower data so like LTE four G? Is that a lot yeah. faster than um, whatever wired internet you have? If it's like DSL or yes, broadband, a lot a lot faster. Uh, or DLS connection here is is uh, via uh, old phone line. You know, oh, so DSL, uh, like, yeah. So it's like really slow. Wow. Yes. So like one, uh, 10 kilobytes per second, stuff like that. So almost not, uh, not uh, almost no one used that that, uh, that connection. Oh, 10 kilobytes. Oh, that's like dial-up. Yes. Uh, even uh, even LTE is re is is getting really slow now. So like, uh, you know. Uh, so is there is there a validity then in what he's building here because it's giving them better access as well? What you're saying? No, like but, but, but because at, at the end he's using the same the same network that I'm using. Yep. At the end, yeah, he's just using the. So basically, what Seafolk, if I'm understanding, is saying is that uh, Cuban Warrior is asking for this insane amount of money to do something that each person could do themselves for like a tiny fraction of exactly. the cost, basically. Uh, and he's setting up an entirely unnecessary. Mesh network because in the end he's still going through you know the same LTE service provider that Seafolk is using and the only the only thing that he's doing that might be useful is that he's forcing Tor but anyone can run like Orbot or Tor on their phone right or on their computer anyone can do that exactly. right or just VPNs so in one way it's it's almost worse because everyone's going to be going through this one system which is going to end up if there's a lot of people using it it'll probably get more clogged. Than if they all use like you know individual connections. All right. Well, I am glad we got the other side of the story um, because you know, Luis, I, uh, with a quick with a quick search on internet on 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 Instagram even on Twitter, you can see every day uh, people using a social network in Cuba um, very easily. You can see profiles that are against the government and the and the and are locating in, are locating in Cuba currently. Using the the socials without without problems, so uh, mm -hmm. the entire point of being anonymous of using Tor of trying to avoid a, a supposed uh, a state uh, control. State uh, the state controls a lot to activists, but uh, if you uh, if you don't are an activist, you are cool. You can be whatever you want on, on social or say whatever you want if you are if you are anonymous. Mm -hmm. I mean, last thing we'd want to do here is hurt somebody's efforts who's trying to do something, experiment with something, and 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 is genuine about it and using Monero for these purposes. But that being said, we also don't want somebody to be out there. You know, we, I don't want people donating under the false assumption that this is more yeah, than he's asking for is, a lot. Right? It's a lot. It's a lot. It's a lot. It's not a small amount. So the, it seems I, like I, he could another comment. Ask Another comment uh, quickly there, uh, the, the, the pics that he showed uh, the last time about uh, like an old server full of computers that uh, that uh, were full of those, do you remember that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, those pics are totally, are totally real, uh, but uh, are pics taken from another person. So probably from a server from the old Havana network. Um, do not be too... Uh, guys, no, but uh, from like uh, ten years, the Cuba's creator created a mesh network uh, in Havana that was uh, mostly for for recreational stuff. 
So we have servers in private houses that uh, have to, uh, have the same the, the exact same of infrastructure. So all computers with a lot of DOS. So yeah. Where do you, where do you think he's located? Any idea? Um, can't say for the fix uh, for the fix. Uh, also, he can just take a pic from another profile and post it there. He can sure. be right now on the center of the of Vedado that is the center of the city and taking the the the, the picture from a, from a Facebook profile that is located on the on yeah on of, course. A, on, of course uh, yeah he can. so. So I mean, yeah. So if he, you know, he he's DMing with me. He said he was he was trying to join and he can't. Um, but you know, Cuban Warrior, at another time, if you want to come up, you're you're always you know you're welcome here to state state your case, your side to re to re you know rebuttal. Um, we we don't want you unnecessarily getting getting bashed here. So uh, the, the stage is yours if you want to come up, state your case. Show us more convincing evidence of what you've actually done, and perhaps further explain the value and what you're what you're providing here. But yeah, um, I'm glad I'm glad you came out, Sifok. I think I think it's good. I think it's good. We got we got to do these with these kunos to suss things out and just put them through the vetting process. Uh, we don't want. I love I love kuno. That's why I'm talking. I talk about it all the time, and I love the projects that are happening there. And by no means do I ever want to deter somebody from doing a Kuno, a legitimate one. But at the same time, we got to kind of suss out the ones that may be exaggerating a little bit or straight up scamps um, because that's going to hurt hurt the ecosystem. We don't want people wasting their their valuable Monero when they could be donating to legitimate Kunos. Uh, yeah, I'm, not, I'm, sure I'm not concluding that this one isn't legitimate, but from what I, I mean, this guy's raised over 30 Monero so far. Uh, and he how, keeps how much, or how much? How much is Trenta Monero? Trenta Monero. I don't know. How much he used? It's like five thousand. What is that? Right? What? How, how much? much? Right? Oh, what the amount of Monero from the the Kuno? That's around yeah. six thousand dollars. Yeah. Yeah. U.S. dollars. Wow. wow. Which I, I'm sure for like a like you, that's like way more. Yeah, I I can get that. I can get that mesh uh, working for uh, one hundred if you want. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and like with the amount he's asking for, like he could just like buy a a crap. Load want, of your, cards, right, your... Yeah, he he's yeah. raised like over five, like five thousand. Now he's asking for uh, like another six thousand more. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's, that's a, lot, a lot of money. Yeah. <laughs> If you can hear me rain, I can do that for one hundred dollars. <laughs> so come tell me, I have uh, I have offer for you. <laughs> maybe maybe he'd let you come check out what he's built. I don't know. I'm not I'm not risking my 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 identity for that. <laughs> uh, that's that's understandable. Actually, we we have somebody from the Monero community that I know very well. It's down there right now. He he might be interested in going on that uh, on that mission. Um, uh, all right, guys. I guess I guess we'll leave it at that. See, folk. Thank you so much, man. That was insightful. Anything else? Any other insights you could give us with regarding Cuba and and cryptocurrency and Monero specifically? Um, well, uh, crypto crypto in Cuba is uh, gaining some, a lot of moment. You can you can see uh, even uh, business uh, negocios uh, uh, places that, that are growing with crypto. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have even a local exchange now. Uh, look for Cuba Pay, Cuba Pay. So uh, everything is possible now with crypto in Cuba. Uh, there is there is not a lot of adoption, but uh, it's, it's slowly uh, taking some taking some some moment.
So, yeah. But are, are people actually using crypto, though? Or, I mean, are they, are, is it just they're speculating? They're playing around? No. no people actually using I, I use I use crypto here. I convert my crypto to to Q and pesos. Uh, I know some places that accept crypto also. I have a, uh, there is not there is not a lot of uh, crypto users, but uh, the ones that use crypto use it in almost every, every aspect of their life. So like uh, convert it to to local coin to pay um, for services to do not buy a plane ticket everything. Mm-hmm. Um, does it make what like what's what is the reasoning to be using crypto in Cuba? Are people using it for remittances? I would think I think that'd be a good use case. Obviously, are are you seeing adoption there for that purpose? For what remittances? Like people that are sending money from abroad into ah, Cuba. Ah, yes, yes, yes. Um, well, on on, uh, on that case, the the hard part is to make the the people the the person outside uh, adopt crypto. But yeah, you can do it. And um, yes, um, the, the, there is there uh, there is a lot of inflation right now uh, happening on the country, um, even harder than the one in Argentina. Um, crypto is a good way to save your money. Yes, um, with a lot of people living in the country, um, and there is a, it's also a good way to leave the country with your money because you can you can you can leave the country with more than five thousand five thousand dollars. So if you have a big stash, free to stay away. Right, right. So that that makes a lot of sense, right? Somebody somebody wants to escape Cuba and bring their assets with them. They could do it by converting it all into into crypto uh, yes. and bringing it that way. How about just getting yeah. in getting in and out of crypto and like and like with cash? You know, if, if I were to you know even this guy, right? All the, all this Monero he's he's raised, could he then easily convert it into into cash down there? Uh, if he knows the he, if he knows about Cuba Bay, he can uh, convert convert to cash in uh, in around thirty minutes. It's easy. What, what is it called? Cuba Pay. Cuba Pay. What what is that? What is that? How does that function? How does that work? Uh, it's like uh, it's like Binance, like Coinbase, like any other exchange. Uh, but uh, you have the local peer to peer, so I can uh, deposit my crypto, convert to whatever coin I want. I'm Find up here in Cuba that one that crypto and he will uh, deposit a uh, Cuban pesos on my account here. Oh wow! Okay, so it's, it's like a local Monero. It's like a local Monero, kind of. It's yes. peer to peer. I guess, but it's uh, it's it's so. Well, and that that's the, that's popular. It's it get that gets a lot of use. A lot of like liquidity. Uh, like, not the not sadly because like I, like I said before, uh, crypto adoption is strong, but it's, uh, there is there is a lot of field to cover uh, still. So, for example, I know like three four p- people on, on my circle that use crypto, but uh, no more. And so it's not it's not easy to find people that use crypto on daily on the daily basis. So you can find it. Uh, but people is uh, like uh, scared because the um, crypto is almost always related with scams, uh, stuff like uh, you know um, pyramidal schemes of, of stuff like that. So people here is very skeptical still about that. Too. So some people are uh, trying to to you to is okay, the state is okay with it. And someone is actually on the chat. Yes, yes, yeah. Are are people using it for doing like consulting services like? That, that's another great use case, right? So you could be in Cuba, maybe you're a graphic designer or whatever it is, and you're 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 working remotely. 
Maybe somebody yes. in the U.S. in New York hired you. You're from Cuba. They don't even know who you are, where you are, and then they could they can pay you with crypto, right? Yes. Uh, they, so, uh, like I said before, also uh, the difficult part there is the crypto adoption for the for the. So well, you can pay with crypto to agree one person. So the yeah. difficult part there is what you cut out for a second. The difficult part the difficult there is is crypto adoption for the people that is paying you from 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 outside. So right, 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 right. Them, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah so, we're building so, uh, we're building a, a service for that XMR Bazaar. It's a peer to peer marketplace. But one of the use cases we're really hoping to take off would be people using it for for consulting. Uh, so buying and selling consulting services on there um, and making it global in nature. So people all around the world can uh, come together and use Monero to do consulting services, you know, to earn earn Monero um, or to then use Monero to, to hire people to do consulting services. It's a good use case, I think. Um, all right, man. Thank you so much. Unfortunately, Cuban Warrior wasn't able to jump up today. Oh, wait, I see him. I see him again. We'll try. We'll try uh, one last time. See, folks, you want to ask him some questions or you know, uh, catch him up? ¿Qué tal, hermano? Buenas tardes. Hola. ¿Cómo estás? Gracias, hermano, por la invitación. Do you want to uh, kind of catch him up? See what see what his response is to your criticism. See, folks. Eh, hola, ¿qué tal, eh, Cuban Warrior? ¿Me, eh, ¿me escuchas? Hola. ¿Qué tal la serie? ¿Qué tal la serie? Hola, ¿qué tal? ¿Qué tal? ¿Qué tal? Buenas tardes. Eh, nada, eh, estaba escuchando el espacio de Tupan hace como un mes y algo y tenía algunas preguntas con respecto a, a lo que estás haciendo en Cuba con Monero, eh, cómo lo estás haciendo, la, la, la infraestructura que estás montando, cosas así. O sea, no, no estoy interesado en saber los detalles, por supuesto, porque entiendo que, que tienes que proteger tu anonimato, pero me interesa, o sea, me dio mucha curiosidad. Tenemos un paso a paso desarrollado ya. Hay como tres planes seguidos que hemos desarrollado y hemos sido financiados por la comunidad Monero. O sea, Acerca okay. de eso, más o menos, como que quieres saber. Eh, primero, ¿cuál es la necesidad del sistema? ¿Para qué lo estás implementando? O sea, ¿con qué, con qué objetivo? La implementación está basada en realidad en ofrecer mejores velocidades a los usuarios, ofrecer anonimato, ofrecer también Tails, que te permite tener un acceso a Internet de forma única con la UCB. Además de que hacemos ahora el balanceo de carga con los routers, y tenemos unos micro que recibimos. Tenemos, hemos alcanzado mejores velocidades de las que podemos acceder con la SINCAL solamente, ¿me entiendes? Ok. Eh, complicado, porque al final Delsa, que es la compañía, tiene como una especie de, de, de tubo, que, ¿sabes? Un cuello de botella que... O sea, tú al final lo que estás haciendo es para tener mejor velocidad de Internet. Tenemos conectado... Es lo, no sé si has extendido no, no, el último proyecto que no, no, montamos. Sí, sí, el último proyecto no, que no, montamos. No, no, sí, sí, disculpa, 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 porque si no, nos no, no vamos un poco... O sea, te preguntaba, disculpa que sea, porque si no me, me, me pierdo también un poco, porque me perdí parte del espacio la vez pasada. Eh, en, concretamente, tú estás haciendo el, el sistema para eh, mejorar la velocidad del Internet usando Una la de las funciones de que hemos conseguido es obtener mejores velocidades porque tenemos varias sin cal que te permiten hacer un ancho de banda que no tienes una sola. No sé yeah. si conoces la técnica de balanceo de carga y para minimizar el, también el pin y el jitter. Ya, yeah. y ve acá, hermano, y... ¿Y qué utilidad tiene en el día a día? Porque al final eh, estamos hablando de Delsa, Delsa te cobra por cada giga que tú gastes. Si tú estás pagando por una mayor velocidad de internet, significa que tú estás pagando, sí, por mayor velocidad, pero a, te, te consume más internet a corto plazo. Estás pagando ese internet de donde ustedes la están, no me respondas. Eh, o sea, no tienes por qué responderme específicamente de aquí de acá. 
pero es entender cómo ustedes están pagando por ella y eh, si están usando LTE. Y al final... Eh, Estamos financiados eh, por la comunidad Monero, financiados totalmente. Además, tenemos la posibilidad de acceder Monero te está, a, un Monero contacto, te está pagando. a un contacto. Tenemos un contacto porque accedemos a SINCAL de turistas. Eso está de definido turista. también. Fíjate que la primera vez que escucho el término de sin de turistas, y yo soy cubano como tú. Esas son las que estamos comprando, accediendo por una, una manera que no puedo describírtela. No, no, claro, claro, tranquilo. Eh, pero no entiendo para... O sea, tú al final estás como que... O sea, lo que entiendo es que tú quieres como un internet ilimitado y más rápido, por sin de turistas. A través de ver, sin de turistas, que tiene sí. un mayor plan, no sé si pueda, como te digo, eh, reunir varias, reunir varias, y con eso hacer el balanceo de carga y ahí hemos tenido uh -huh. mejores velocidades. Tenemos videos montados, ahí tú puedes observar cuáles son los resultados que tuvimos la vez pasada y estos son los resultados de la semana pasada. A ver, amigo, te digo, eh, disculpa, tú, tú man, sorry, eh, eh, we are having no. eh, an interesting conversation, so if you are, I can continue or, uh, you, or you want to... Oh, okay, so. I guess for now, give it, give, kind of catch us up on what did he, did he have any good responses to? Uh, no, uh, I, I was trying to go to the chase to, with, with, with the answer, with the answer, with the answer, sorry. And he was like, uh, uh, he was like talking with a robot. Uh, I see, I was uh, asking he about uh, what were the main reasons behind that. And he was like, giving me a lot of uh, technical details. And I was like, bro, uh, okay. But why you are doing that? Right. So he's he's basically describing that he can get a uh, almost unlimited internet uh, using uh, tourist SIM cards. That uh, first time I heard uh, about those SIM cards uh, for the I, I don't want to be uh, I don't want to be um, like um, don't know how to say uh, in, in English like uh, no quiero discriminar no quiero eso but for the um, For the tone that he uh, uses to speak. Bro, he's getting a. Bro, you carajo, hermano. So he's trying to get uh, uh, apparently uh, limited internet using tourist cards. That first time I heard from those cards, I have been in Cuba for more than 20 years coming and going. So I guess I have some inside. I work. Daily basic with internet here. First time I heard about it. The other point he uh, he talked he talked. Sorry, uh, he, the other point he referred was that uh, he was using like a system to increase the internet speed. Mm -hmm. uh, that uh, okay, yeah, you have more internet speed. Uh, I, okay, yeah, good. Uh, what uh, on what that helps with uh, with uh, with uh, with your annual status or stuff like. Uh, Monero can provide child. What and on what helps on daily basis more internet speed. So Kuan Warrior, you can hear me? You me puedo oír Kuan Warrior? Given Warrior, you're muted. Um maybe, maybe give him give him one last chance, one one more kind of interaction there for him to kind of summarize what he sees as being the utility with the system versus what Cuban people can already access. Exactly. Kuan Warrior, me puedes escuchar? Sí, hermano, te escucho. Entonces, disculpa, ya, por lo que he podido eh, co eh, co coger la conversación es que tú estás haciendo esto para tener internet limitado y más rápido. Internet limitado, vamos a ir un poco al grano, disculpa, porque también tengo, tengo que trabajar y eso, y internet limitado eh, usando las tarjetas de turista, que te digo, disculpa, primera vez que escucho de ella, yo soy eh, cubano también, y llevo eh, fuera del país un tiempo, he ido virado, pero 
No sé, tengo, tengo 30 años, brother. No, la primera vez que lo escucho. Eh, no lo entiendo, pero eso, puede, eso queda de tu parte, también averiguarlo. Yo tampoco tengo que decir todas las técnicas que puedo no, utilizar para saber no. el proyecto. Yo llevo una utilidad de monero, que lleva la utilidad de Thor, que lleva la utilidad pero para sí. la privacidad de las personas y dar a conocer la criptomoneda, es una forma de hacerlo. Que tú pienses de que el, el plan está sobrevaluado no, o algo no, así, es otra cosa tuya. No, 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 aquí estamos hablando normal, o sea, estamos tratando de, de, estoy tratando de entender tu punto para si, si puedo defenderte de esta gente también, pero tengo que entenderlo para poder, porque la, a mí la parte que no me queda clara es eh, la necesidad de eh, tener una red, eh, una red más rápida, que vea, más rápida sí, si tú vas a dar un servicio, más rápida y usando sin card de extranjeros, cuando tú simplemente puedes coger y, a, a, eso mismo que tú estás haciendo eh, y hacerlo con, con la SIN de con la SIN cubana que tienes ahí, porque eso mismo que tú estás, que estás haciendo que tú, que, que tú quieras hacer con las con la SIN, con la SIN de turista, que repito, primera vez que yo escucho eso y yo he trabajado en su momento, trabajé con el turismo también y nunca escuché de, de SIN para turistas. Nunca escuché en ninguno de los hoteles Melian ni nada por el estilo que se le diera sin a turistas. De hecho, lo que se usa es wifi. Eh, había en su momento un run run con las tarjetas rusas, pero eso también murió en su momento. Murió en el 2008, murió en el 2009, creo. Eh, entonces, o sea, estás hablando con... Eh, no, no soy un experto, pero bueno, se algo el tema. Entonces, eh, entiendo la parte de la velocidad, que bueno, está bien. Yo estoy hablando contigo ahora mismo usando mi, mi conexión LTE con un VPN inclusive, o sea que me reduce la velocidad de internet. Y yo no tengo tarjeta extranjera. Entonces, eh, y la otra parte que no entiendo es la parte del anonimato, que era algo que tú querías también como que usas para Monero. Si yo puedo hablar contigo aquí y tú no sabes quién yo soy, ni yo sé quién tú eres. Pero podemos ser traqueados, no podemos ser traqueados fácilmente. Nosotros utilizamos traqueado. una técnica de pivote de celda. En el pivote de celda, tú estás conectado un momento en una, saltas a la otra, trabajamos con celdas fronterizas, trabajamos con celdas que no están conectadas directamente a la red LTE. Posiblemente tú ignoras ciertos detalles técnicos y por eso es que tú crees, o sea, estás incrédulo hasta esto, no sé. No, no, lo que, lo que, lo que no veo es la necesidad del anonimato, ¿entiendes? O sea, no, no, perdón, el anonimato siempre no quiere tener. No veo la necesidad de buscar el anonimato cuando ya tú tienes el anonimato ya en, montado en tu, en, en tu propio teléfono, tú con poner un VPN estás en un lugar en otro. Que tú quieras, que si, si tú lo quieres, por ejemplo, esconder las antenas supuestamente de, 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 de la fuerza del Estado, bueno, tú sabes que al final eso está... Eh, es más fácil todavía te cogen por, por una señora del CR que dice una cosa que otra y o sea, al final no tampoco están así es que para eso eh... también te puedo preparar no sé si tú, tú has visto el rollo de cable de CAC 6 que tenemos por ahí eso para esconder también las antenas nosotros, estamos, nosotros no somos tontos no somos yo estuve en la red de La Habana como, como 10 años y yo vi tanta forma de esconder las redes y al final siempre las cogía eh, no bueno. entiendo no entiendo hermano si yo me voy a rendir frente a esta adversidad no puedo hacer nada tú tienes un no, punto yo... de vista que tú crees que que no puede serlo porque no, no tienes quizás el coraje o quieres arriesgarte de mi manera, yo lo tengo otro punto. No, a ver, esto no es una cuestión de coraje o no, porque realmente aquí no estamos hablando de nada, de hacer algo por el estilo. Yo simplemente soy una persona que está aquí hablando contigo, que está trabajando, que después termina de hablar contigo, se pone a trabajar y sigue su vida normal. O sea, no entiendo, o sea, realmente para mí, por ejemplo, por eh, toma de trabajo que... O sea, pero tú parte del punto de que cualquiera lo puede atrapar y cualquiera no puede quitar las antenas. Yo también siento que si te riesgo, el riesgo está ahí, pero si no lo hago yo, no lo puedo hacer más nadie o lo puedo hacer otro. Yo lo estoy intentando. Pero, si tú crees que pero, mi intento pero, es fallido, pero, es otra cosa. No, yo lo que creo que te intento, eh, de todo el respeto, con todo el respeto eh, estás como que queriendo hacer algo que se pueda hacer perfectamente con, con un nano y, que, y con una buena conexión, porque si lo pones un nano en tu casa, 
nadie te va a venir a preguntar por el nano, como mismo tampoco ahora mismo te van a preguntar por nada, pero tía, quieres montar como toda una infraestructura que, que veo como que sobra hacer. Ya, la notemos en cubano. Ah, bueno, sí. ese es otro punto de vista. Hay, hay varios, hay, o sea, tú tienes una perspectiva de mi proyecto, yo tengo una perspectiva de lo que yo estoy haciendo. Ahí describo cada uno de los pasos, he descrito tres planos diferentes, estoy conjugando uno para hacerlo cerca de una escuela, es tu punto de vista. Si tú quieres apoyar mi proyecto, bien, si no lo quieres apoyar, no pasa nada. Ya, ok. Sí, eh, a ver, any, any update here? Give us some eh, eh, a ver, de, de, um, he's defending his point. Um, I don't have any idea of uh, to discuss. I don't see the, po the point also of uh, having a better internet that, that if, if not for a commercial uh, for a commercial uh, uh, thing. Uh, he's uh, saying that he's doing for a for a purpose of uh, defending something or doing something that I can. Uh, imply that is political, do not. Uh, but uh, um, no. uh, for me, is for me is a scam uh, like any other. So, uh, and this is my this is my personal take. Uh, this is the personal take of a Cuban that living in Cuba time to time that knows the that know of this world that is is not a uh, biased for politics. Uh, so. You guys can you guys can take my point. You uh, you guys can. What, what, my, what would uh, you what would you recommend to him to do to uh, maybe perhaps commute better communicate what he's achieved and what he's intending to do just to kind of give him a fair chance at proving to the too, people that he's doing something valuable. Tiwan, you are you are you are asking me how the, how he can come you is, you is better. <laughs> So, uh, uh, all right. Well, we'll we'll leave we'll leave it we'll leave it there. Um, we've we've heard the sides. Tux, you got any comments here? Um, not really. I think I've yeah. I mean, I've been able to understand the conversation a bit. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But I think I, I get the gist. I wanted to let you guys talk and air it out. Um, Monero, not a, I guess we're gonna leave it there. We're gonna move. We'll we'll move on. Uh, does he have any final things he wants to say? Anything he wants to throw out there? Gracias por la oportunidad. Lamento que no haya sido una entrevista, sino que un juzgado. Lamento que me hayan juzgado de una manera cuando estoy trabajando sobre esto. Cada quien tiene su punto de vista. Muchas gracias por todo, amigo. Hasta luego. Bueno, amigo. What did you say? Uh, uh, thanks for everything. Uh, sorry that this was more a, a, a jury than uh, an invitation. Uh, more of what? Uh, more or less. Okay, I don't know. Uh, that uh, he, he was you uh, like, like going to a youth uh, to a to a trial. Sorry, mm, wasn't a trial. It was a discussion. This is what we do, right? So we're we're not here to just falsely promote anyone. Um, when you come up on the show and you have you have an idea or a concept or anything, uh, expect people to uh, respond to it and ask you the tough questions, no matter what it is you're, you're talking about. Um, I mean, this is we're, we're we're free speech maximalists, uh, but that doesn't mean we 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 we're not here to not respond to what it is people are saying. We want to let people get the word out on things, but we also want to properly vet things as well as they're being discussed. All right, we'll leave it at that. Uh, thanks, man. Appreciate you uh, jumping up. Anytime, man. Thanks, Aaron, Nando, and Seafolk for both coming. Yeah. Out. Yep. All right, guys. We'll we'll move well, on. Good job, man. Good job. I appreciate it. I think you should yes. share your screen. Oh, okay. So I don't know. I mean, is it a scam? <laughs> We're back to the square one, basically. Well, it's up. Um, it's it's up to people to decide now, right? Yeah, people, people, people can, can make their own assessment now. Perhaps a better one. Um,
given the this new information that they have. So uh, proceed at your own risk, as always, on, on Kuno and with anything in Monero, right? If anyone who's speaking Spanish, feel free to um, TLDR that for us, us gringos. Don't trust Verify. All right. Alrighty. Uh, let's moving on to the news, right? Let's do it. Let's do the news. And then we'll get viewers on stage. And now for our weekly news segment. All right. Yeah. So, first article is in ARS Techno One. I think I saw this on Hacker News this morning. Um, suspects can refuse to provide phone passcodes to police court rules. So criminal suspects can refuse to provide phone passcodes to police under U.S. Constitution's Fifth Amendment privilege against self-incrimination, according to a unanimous ruling issued today by Utah's state Supreme Court. The question addressed in the ruling could eventually be taken up by the U.S. Supreme Court, whether through review of this case or a similar one. So that is definitely good for people Mm -hmm. who want to, um, you know, not self-incriminate, protect their privacy. Um, even, even if you have nothing, you know, even if you're totally innocent, you don't break any laws, you shouldn't have to unlock your phone, uh, to let, uh, you know, you shouldn't, you shouldn't have to be compelled to, to do that. Just simply unlock your phone so you can look into it. Yeah. Especially yeah, yeah. without being charged with anything or without any warrant. It's like the police coming into your house without a warrant. Right. Um, right. And so this Utah how... court basically protected their fifth amendment, right. Of not, not having to self-incriminate themselves. Hmm. Yeah, I wonder how that compares to right, like federal issues, uh, like when you're when you're going through crossing the border, um, right? There's there's been some instances there, right, where people's people's phones get taken, uh, and then if they're they're locked, uh, I think they can. They well, it's even more interesting about this case is that they did actually have a warrant, um, mm-hmm. and so this case okay. involves, yeah, and uh, and Alfonso Valdez, who was arrested for kidnapping and assaulting his ex girlfriend. <laughs> Police mm. officers obtained a search warrant for the contents of Valdez's phone but couldn't crack his passcode. Valdez refused to provide his passcode to a police detective. At his trial, the state elicited, elicited testimony from the detective about Valdez's refusal to provide his passcode when asked. Today's ruling said, and during closing arguments, the state argued in rebuttal that Valdez's refusal and resulting lack of evidence from his cell phone undermined the veracity of one of his defenses. The jury convicted Valdez. A court of appeals reserved the conviction, agreeing with Valdez that he had the right under the Fifth Amendment of the U.S. Constitution to refuse to provide his passcode and that the state violated that right when it used his refusal against him in trial. The Utah Supreme Court affirmed the court of the appeals ruling. So it goes even a little bit further. Yeah, so it would be interesting to see if something like this went to the Supreme Court. Um, Hopefully they would would, um, have have a similar opinion on that. But... All right, good stuff. Yeah. Step in the right direction. Next up. Uh, a tweet from Elon Musk, apparently. Uh, Microsoft Word now scolds you if you use words that aren't inclusive. So according to uh, some new settings in Microsoft Word and the editor settings, there's now a, a thing on that will check words for inclusiveness. So insane is not uh, inclusive enough. Uh, so you can't use the word insane, according it's to Microsoft wild. Word. It's it's going to be scary, right? Once once. Everybody is using AI, and then AI is also uh, going by these by these type of algorithms, right? So now you could you could see um, aside to all the other you know normal options you would have on any other word editor, this one called inclusiveness. Uh, and Elon Musk is ironically calling out Community Notes, which he created uh, for being wrong. Apparently, they said Community Notes said this has been available in Microsoft Word since at least 2020 and has to be turned on manually. But I guess Elon Musk didn't turn this on, and it was on by default for him. 
So they're probably doing a thing where they're they're switching that to be on by default. I'm not sure. Mm. Uh, yeah, weird stuff. Uh, next up, the prime minister of Montenegro now owns Bitcoin. Um, I guess that's interesting. <laughs> okay. Interesting. I, yeah. <laughs> I, did, I just pulled all these news as what was sent to me. Um, yeah, I mean, he he probably you know is rich enough to Bitcoin, uh, unlike okay. all of us. Okay, what is this one? Uh, CNN article about limiting how often people can travel with oh. carbon passports. So more control under the guise of uh, climate change and you right. know global warming and stuff. Yes, you'll be happy and own nothing. Okay. No need see bugs. This is one that I think you sent. Uh, Warren's crypto bill is likely unconstitutional. It's also unlikely to pass. Democrat lawmakers signed on to sponsor the Digital Asset Anti-Money Money Laundering Act. The bill is bad for crypto in the U.S., even if it never gets through Congress. As we've seen with pressure uh, that companies seem to fold to before regulation is even passed. Uh, Senator... Warren is trying to force feed the American people a poison pill. The high-profile legislator known today as much for her disdain of cryptocurrency as for big banks has submitted a bill for consideration looking to crack down on crypto's alleged use in illicit finance. So it's just going to talk about uh, the the act that she's sponsoring and yeah, she's basically looking to expand the Bank Secrecy Act, right? And, yeah, and... into like more of a yeah, expand it and add it to the crypto sector sector right so, so, they would, so they would treat crypto like any other banking activity uh with the know yeah. your customer kyc aml all transactions essentially have to be you know over over a certain threshold you'll have to do reporting and things like that um but to the degree that 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 they you know, then would label label nodes and miners and uh, unhosted wallets as essentially money service providers, right? Essentially, is is I think that the the gist of the bill and its most crazy interpretation. Which yeah, is, it's, it's U.S. is just becoming more and more hostile towards cryptocurrencies, and unfortunately, it's saying here that it's it's unlikely that it would pass. Right? What was the, what was the reasoning they gave there? I didn't have a chance to read through this whole article. Um, uh, wait, here it is. That said, um, that said, Warren's bill as it exists is unlikely to pass for many of the same reasons U.S. government governance is often hamstrung, partisan politics, infighting, and gridlock. Yeah, there just, there just won't be. Any but as we've seen with recent events, just the threat of regulation that isn't even passed is enough for companies to be compelled to change the way they work and what they offer, which is unfortunate. But that's just how it is. Yep. Well, interesting that she's trying so hard, but hopefully she she won't have her way. So this was crazy story this week. Um, by approving unconstitutional warrantless surveillance of Americans, they've betrayed the American people. We've included a list of all the representatives who voted to pass the National Defense Authorization Act with FISA 702. So this was a big thing this week where uh, there were votes coming up for uh, the NDAA with the FISA 702. And uh, everyone was telling people to call their call their senators, call their reps. Um, but unfortunately this passed pretty bipartisan. And do you uh do you have that YouTube clip that I sent you? If we could play part I of that. Rand Paul? Yeah, yeah. Let me yeah, so Rand Paul is obviously one of the guys that didn't vote for this, but uh, he he explains what this is all about. This is something that they they slipped into a much a much larger Yep, they slipped into a much larger bill, bill. Uh, extending FISA but if you play his clip, it's yeah, long. You could start at the beginning, okay, uh, and he'll start to explain what the FISA extension even is. 
During the 1960s, the FBI spied on Martin Luther King and other civil rights protesters. The FBI spied on Vietnam War protesters. The church committee was formed in the 1970s and detailed these abuses. And the response by Congress was to pass something called the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act, or FISA. FISA was ostensibly passed to limit spying on Americans. It was supposed to be a reform. But as far as the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act allows government to spy on U.S. citizens without a warrant, it is unconstitutional. As Dr. John Tyler from Houston Christian University points out, the FISA text, the Constitution's text, and the relevant opinions by the U.S. Supreme Court conclusively demonstrate that FISA and its secret ex parte, meaning you only hear from one side in the court, these courts are unconstitutional for three reasons. First, the secret ex parte courts violate the case or controversy requirement of Article 3. Courts are about deciding disputes between two parties. Aren't by, uh, they aren't originated just to say, this is a pronouncement, there has to be a dispute. And in the FISA court, it's more about having a generalized comment. Second, FISA violates the Fourth Amendment liberties from unreasonable searches and seizures. Third, FISA and its secret ex parte courts violate the due process guarantees of the Fifth and the Fourteenth Amendment. Dr. Tyler goes on to say that lastly, the Supreme Court has ruled that national security does not require secret courts or justify ignoring the Fourth Amendment liberties. This unconstitutional government spying has been further authorized by adding Section 702 to FISA. That law entrusts America's intelligence agencies with broad authorities supposedly to surveil foreigners abroad. But time has proven again and again that America's intelligence agencies cannot be trusted with this immense power and responsibility. Section 702 expires at the end of this year. We've known this for five years, and yet somehow the Senate has no time to debate this and wishes to simply extend it. Members of Congress anticipated using this deadline as an opportunity not just to make meaningful changes, but to reform FISA generally to better protect American civil liberties. But it doesn't appear to be allowed to happen at this point. Everything's rush, rush, rush. Let's pass it without debate. But they've known for five years it was going to expire at the end of this year, and yet they just want to punt it with the hope that they'll never have to debate it. Extending this Section 702 robs Congress of the ability to make reforms now and likely robs Congress of the opportunity to make reforms anytime in the next year. That means that once again, the intelligence agencies that ignore the constraints on their power will go unaddressed and unpunished. And the warrantless surveillance of Americans in violation of the Bill of Rights will continue. All right, we can leave it there. 702. All right. Yeah, so basically they they snuck in this extension of 702, Section 702 of FISA, which is going to allow the intelligence agencies to continue to illegally effectively spy on Americans by way yeah, of extends their surveillance or yeah. warrantless surveillance and expands it. Uh, so yeah. Grim. It, what, what, what's crazy shows you how absurd pol like how useful or useless all, all these legislators are and they're effectively all bought out. None of them are independent minded. Obviously Senator Rand Paul is the exception, right? kudos to him. This guy's this guy's Amazing. Yeah, Rand Paul's a um, but but all all the rest pretty much. You know, they just go along with their political party, how they're told to vote. Most of them don't even have time to try to even figure out 
what these issues are or know about them or I mean even, it's kind of like that on purpose they'll sneak something have, in and they'll make it hard yeah. to it's too much to like understand in such a short yeah, amount of time you i mean the, like so the irony here is right we were just talking about senator warren and how she's trying to push this other bill that would effectively ban crypto right and so she's evil senator warren um but then if you look i think she's one of the people that actually voted against this now i don't think she voted against it for purposes of that she was against extending fisa 702 she probably voted against it because she disagreed with other elements of this bill but it just shows you how broken the entire system is right so you have yeah, warren's you have, not on here she voted against it so right all right maybe we love senator warren she she voted against this this bill that would have extended uh 702 of fisa uh so like how do you even as a legislator pick and choose what you vote on when essentially every single bill comes with comes with a bunch of crap in it that is completely like freaking unconstant like you'd have to be voting no to everything essentially uh if you want to do your job is this including house and senate this is just house um i don't know i don't know it doesn't say it doesn't Read. say yeah, this might just be the house both. yeah it might be both uh i'd have to see a total number but yeah uh your point is definitely valid on that it's just so yeah that's why we that's why we crypto guys we're we're, we're opting out because to try to change things to. i mean we'll, we'll, we, we could try to change things as well but uh, it's better to just ignore opt out build our own system yeah like you know, do as much as you can here, but like at some point, you know, it's there's nothing you can do. Not to be like grim and doomer, uh, but there's only, and not that you shouldn't try, but there's only so much you can do like within the broken system. All right. So, uh, yeah. So this is also a crazy story this week. Uh, with uh, everyone, everyone I'm sure heard about this. Wallet drainer code added to Ledger library has crypto on edge. A suspected supply chain attack on Ledger Connect Kit may leave DAP users open to loss of funds. Users of crypto web apps are being warned to avoid the platforms until investigations into a potential cybersecurity incident affecting hardware wallet Ledger play out. Notices of malicious code were shared on social media Thursday morning, found in software libraries for Ledger's Connect Kit, which connects blockchain apps with Ledger devices. Web3-focused cybersecurity firm Blockade told BlockWorks that so far at least $150,000 has been lost as a result of a malicious code slipping into websites in production. Ledger users are not at risk if they refrain from transacting, the firm said. It is not exploitable on prior approvals, uh, the CEO uh, told BlockWorks, noting that many websites are still affected and users are getting hit, so the damage may be more severe. Uh, so essentially, uh, from what I can remember, I don't doesn't look like they mentioned here, uh, so they use something called NPM, which is no package manager, which is a package manager for Node.js applications. And no NPM can be dangerous because dependencies are like auto updating and some dependencies can be pulled like latest versions be pulled live. And so what happened is they, they didn't lock a dependency version and there was a supply chain attack where some package dependency they were using, like some library for something, right? They were using had a new version that came out that was malicious, but because they didn't lock the previous version that they were on, that was known good. This new version came in and had malware and ended up affecting this application, if that makes sense. What does this mean for hardware wallets in general, you think? Um, this is, for hardware wallets in general, I don't think it really means anything because this is with Ledger's Connect Kit, which is connecting with dApps. Mm -hmm. uh, and this doesn't, just shouldn't have all that junk in there in the first place. Yeah, as far as I, from what I understand, this is, doesn't affect. This isn't anything on the actual hardware wallet part, but it's it's using it's with their part where they connect to like um, Ethereum DApps basically, 
And so there was malicious code that was, I guess, stealing people's funds. Yeah, so they're saying, do not interact with any dApps for the moment. We'll keep you informed as the situation evolves. Ledger devices and Ledger Live. Yeah, see, Ledger devices and Ledger Live are not compromised. Okay, okay, okay. So yeah, it's, it's software there, where people are being careless with how it was set up and security and stuff. And I think, let me see if I can pull it up, but Software Privacy had a great, um, as always, had a great thread about that. Yeah, I sent you one other Seth post I wanted to bring up as maybe, maybe the last story. Yeah, I think that's the last one. Uh, yep. So if it's not open source, it's not Freedom Tech. Shockingly, at Keysta... Oh, this is Seth. This is different. This is also interesting, but this is different. Let me see if I can find his... Uh, I'm pretty sure he had a tweet about it. Yep, here it is. Verify your transaction on screen with your hardware wallet or get wrecked. Being Bitcoin only doesn't fix this. Using multisig doesn't fix this. Air gap security model doesn't fix this. The real solution is users properly verifying transactions on their hardware wallet screen before signing, incentivizing security reviews and disclosures, devs pinning known good dependency versions, open sourcing all the things. The only thing you as a user have control over is number one. If you're using a hardware wallet without verifying transaction details, you're losing the vast majority of the benefit. If your wallet doesn't have a screen or encourages blind signing by not showing you all the relevant details, get a new one. Take the time to always verify transaction details before sending. It's worth a few seconds of your time. Ledger library confirmed, compromised, and replaced with a drainer. Wait out interacting with any dApps till this thing becomes clear. So yeah, it was an NPM package that that got a supply chain attack basically through a dependency. It's that simple, but it's that big because people were careless and weren't pinning known good versions for something that requires so much security. So that shows uh, carelessness on on Ledger's part. Sounds sure. like people just shouldn't be using Ledger, right? Yeah, I mean. Unfortunately, there's there's not a whole ton of options for hardware wallets that also support. Um, we got some good Monero things coming down the pipe, though, right? Yeah, we, we got do. We definitely do. Seed signer, right? We have uh, the Sidekick. Um, what else we got? We got a, we got a few things being worked on that are hardware wallet related, right? I hope the uh, I hope the Monero fork for the foundation device would come out. That would be that'd be interesting. Oh right, yeah. So that's so a very Monero- large side project. So. It would be Monero to get added to Foundation, essentially, or somebody would create a new Foundation. There would be a custom firmware that supports, so basically, yeah. Um, yeah I got I this last it. one here. Another another good thread from Seth for privacy. Uh, mm. Privacy on Bitcoin is prohibitively expensive at the moment. Reran the numbers from my old comparing private spends blog post, and at a generously low 150 sats per byte, it would cost you $93.85 to take a coin, make it private, and spend it. That's wild. So that's the apples to apples comparison of Bitcoin versus Monero, right? So it costs yep. costs you a fraction of a cent to send Monero, and it's fungible and private every time. If you want to do the same in Bitcoin, it's going to cost you ninety three dollars per transaction. Showing a median of five point six cents, but yeah. I, yeah, that's I've never spent one cent. Note that this isn't just about ordinals causing a fee increase, and was always going to be an issue when it comes to requiring Bitcoin privacy to be done entirely at the application level. It just simply costs a lot to gain privacy today on Bitcoin. Note that the lowest possible cost for transaction flow in Bitcoin is sixty three cents at uh, one sat per byte. That's if you do slow. Well, full comparison between Bitcoin, Monero, and Zcash. You can read it all in my first ever blog post below. Put 210,000 sats into CoinJoin, get 100,000 back out. It's crazy. Privacy. Yeah, I had, I had Ragnar on Monero Talk this week. We were talking about um, his Finny forum and stuff. We had we had a great convo. He's he's pretty hardcore Monero these days, but he was uh, he's an OG Bitcoiner. Uh, we, we had, I don't know, some stupid drama back in the past that caused him to block me for 
like three three years so i actually didn't know much about him so it was a great combo because i got to learn about him because i i never really saw Ooh, him at least uh um, but i was i was trying to like you know because my he he comes from the bitcoin he's a big bitcoin privacy community guy right and like my my not i wouldn't say gripe but my I, I, what I don't understand about the Bitcoin privacy stuff is like, like why, 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 why put our efforts there if it's just broken and not working? Uh, if effectively you have to pay a hundred dollars per transaction in Bitcoin to to turn it into fungible money or private money, why is so much effort being put there and applauded for trying to make Bitcoin yeah. private? when yeah. it doesn't work like just just move to monero like i mean even by itself like just using bitcoin non-privately is already prohibitively expensive for like almost like all of right. the actual use cases you'd want to use for monero or bitcoin um which monero is you know provides actual value there uh it's just i gotta have the samurai wallet guys back on the show i mean i i i applaud them for all they do uh their efforts they you know if you're going to use bitcoin um, go go down the, the that route, right, to try to make it private. But I also just don't really understand why those efforts are even put in. I don't know. I think you... it's it's starting to get like more and more diminishing as time goes on. These efforts for Bitcoin privacy, just as as time as the blockchain itself becomes less and less usable, the the returns are more and more diminishing. And like, yeah, like there's an understanding that yeah, Bitcoin's big and trying to push privacy on bitcoin is like could help the most amount of people but mm. the underlying right. system itself That's is just so true. broken and people refuse to it's like co-opted and people refuse to actually improve the base layer it's not going to help anything at this point but and if as you, you can if, see go ahead sorry sorry go ahead it's not 90 no one's going to pay no noob right no no average person if you're trying to reach more average people for privacy it's going to pay 93 dollars to make right. their bitcoin private it's just not happening Right. So, so yes, theoretically, you could reach more people because there's a lot more Bitcoiners than Monero people. But the best thing to do would just to move those people into Monero or get them to use Monero for purpose for these purposes, uh, rather than using uh, these these workaround solutions. So, like with Samurai, I know there was talk of adding Bitcoin to Monero atomic swaps. Well, actually, I think it's happening, but I think it's only for purposes of like obfuscating your toxic change right it's not like they're natively adding monero and you could hold your monero on the wallet and then you could swap in and out of bitcoin to monero like i don't know why they just don't go all in and like promote yeah. monero as the as the tool for privacy you know if they did Too that bitcoin. i would be I'd, I'd be a lot more interested yeah yeah all right man great stuff good job especially considering uh you were learning things as you were going through them yeah, I almost never get to look at any of these before I just open them, and I'm just... Uh, You're good, man. You're uh, good. Uh, but yeah, that was right. pretty much it for the news. Let's uh, let's run viewers on stage, see if anybody wants to jump up. Uh, let's throw the link in there. If anybody new wants to wants to jump up on stage, everybody's always welcome, as long as you're not you know, spamming. I'll probably need to leave in a few minutes, but I'll, I'll add everybody up that I can. And if you see anyone yeah. else hop in, you can just add them. Yeah, that's fine. All right, let's run that. It's the viewers on stage segment. It's that time where we invite you, the viewers, up on stage to comment on anything you've heard so far today, ask the guest a question, or maybe talk about one of the news topics. Come on down. Good morning, everyone. The last on. He's here. What's going Good on? Morning. Hello, short. Ooh, 
Ramsey. Yo. Yeah, I just want to say, I think trying to put privacy on Bitcoin is just a fool's errand. Um, I mean, it's Monero is designed for privacy at the base layer. And then, you know, there's like, you know, you just do you use like regular cash or. Yeah, I mean, that, that's that's more private. Like if I don't know why you would try to do it just seems stupid. to me. I have actually two reasons why it would be very valuable. Oh, but okay. it's it, I realize it's kind of outside of the norm of the way that a lot of people think about these. But um, the first thing is Bitcoin represents, I call it a normalcy bias shield for Monero. And what I mean by that is since 2009, Bitcoin has been doing the work of creating a normalcy bias for crypto. So people are used to the idea of there being this crypto and watching the prices on, you know, these fake stock market pump and dump, you know, this endless chain of events that goes on. And they're being told over and over again by their by their slave taskmaster overlords about the dangers of like private transactions outside of the banking system and so on. And yet they're watching it being traded and they're watching it become normal and all of that stuff. So it kind of does a lot of the work for people who are actual privacy enthusiasts that it's becoming normal for people to have a parallel economy with parallel currency. Um, and that works in tandem with the second part of this, which is a survival instinct layer. So I was just at a, a local business here in Alaska, and this person who owns and runs the business and does all the books for it was explaining to me how much she spends at the federal, state, and local level in taxes and talking about how there is absolutely no way a person can survive long term with the kind of numbers that are being imposed on her. And I talked to her about the value of parallel economies. And this particular woman can't even use a smartphone. But when I told her the advantages of a parallel economy and how it could fit into her business, she became like the the world's fastest tech enthusiast, Monero adopter, all of these other things. But part of the reason why that was possible is because she's heard about Bitcoin, right? And to her, it was just a big scam. And a lot of the people on this show have heard me do the, the rant about how a person can quickly teach somebody how blockchain works at, you know, at, it, it, with what they're used to already. Um, and the thing is, is those two things in tandem, a person's survival instinct, like they normally want to play by the rules, but when it becomes impossible to play by the rules and you still have to feed yourself, they're going to look for ways out of the system. And then the second thing is when you have something that you've been hearing about for over a decade now, this like nebulous world of crypto and how people are already using it and how a bunch of people made a bunch of money off of it and the government is afraid because they can't control it. Those two ideas have now been planted for so long. And the last thing is, is Bitcoin privacy is not about how much money you can save or spend or it costs. It's about on-ramps, right? Um, and as those on-ramps become tighter and tighter and tighter, you're going to find a situation like the gamblers in, in Argentina, where they're like, well, this stuff is useful now. And getting in and out of it is a worthless pain in the ass. Why the hell don't we just use it, right? 
And so the later and later adopters are basically footing the bill to keep the on-ramps in place long enough for the Johnny-come-latelys to at least have some way on and But in reality, the closing of that on-ramp is what locks people into the freedom on the other side, which is the government itself is, or, or in this case, Bitcoin government, is what's locking people out of the on-ramp and and so they're the bad guys, right? <laughs> so that that's kind of my take on the whole Bitcoin privacy thing is this was destined to happen no matter what. I mean, Michael Penn remembers the blockchain, you know, the size wars and all of that. I mean, people were predicting this back in 2013, that this was going to be an impossible situation for Bitcoin. It was already dead on arrival. Bitcoin Cash, Monero, and some other people had figured out the right answer, and now we are we are seeing those things play out. I honestly think that Dogecoin has done as much to normalize cryptocurrency for the average person because you know you, you're like, oh, it's a distributed currency, uh, whatever, and then you're like, oh, then you're like, wait, no, it's dog themed, and then suddenly people are like, oh, it's dog themed, like I'm I'm into this. Um, and Dogecoin actually has a has a linear inflation rate in the same way Monero does. And actually, for that reason, it, it might outlast Bitcoin and it has a smaller block size. So there are actual things that are better about Dogecoin than Bitcoin, um, in my opinion. Do any of the devs in the Dogecoin community talk about adding privacy? If anybody knows. Yeah, I think uh, Litecoin did like a Mimblewimble uh, implementation. And I think Dogecoin could implement something similar. Mm. So I thought it was interesting uh on the topic of the mesh net in cuba um i think it's kind of one of those situations where a guy can't see the forest through the trees who has been in cuba and is able to use the internet and all of that i realized that the same isp is the same isp but you could kind of think of it like a mexican standoff right where everybody's got everybody else has a gun to their head right and it's a big circle of what a mesh net does is it forces all or nothing behaviors on the ISP. So either you shut off the internet or these people who are using Tor and other obfuscation methods that are way more private than just using a VPN. People who are using the LTE network instead of, you know, wired connection. You basically put in the situation where you either have to turn the entire internet off or you have to let the traffic of the true privacy enthusiasts through. And another thing is, mesh networks allow other options for local networks. So in other words, the if you have alternative, let's call it intranet, right? If you have within Cuba intranet um, through many different mechanisms, what you're doing is you're creating uh, I mean, it, it's not user friendly, right? You're creating this for probably a few hundred people. But those few hundred people have a way to communicate outside of the system within Cuba. And another thing is um, the, the idea that traffic in and out of Cuba using a VPN, that you can't figure out who is doing what. You may not be able to get all of the data out of it. or It does add a layer of complexity. But a VPN is not going to do the job for like a, you know, an anti-state actor or somebody who's trying to do business outside of the tax system um, versus this idea of a mesh net using Tor on the LTE network. 
you are making it nearly impossible to chase down taxes. You are making it nearly impossible to figure out if somebody's talking about, you know, things that you don't want to say on YouTube or if they're talking about like, hey, pick up some bananas on your way home, right? So I actually do still see a lot of utility, but that's because I probably don't trust the government a hell of a lot more than, you know, the the guy who was saying, why not just use a VPN? But that is also true. Like the fiscal implications of spending thousands and thousands of dollars in a country as poor as Cuba Um I mean, it has its own drawbacks, right? Because like, what's the point of having all of this freedom if you can't get any, right? (laughs) So, but they kind of go together, right? And in in the grand scheme of things, you know, 12 grand is a drop in the bucket, so... All right. Yeah, no, I'm glad you got those points out there. So you you see some validity in, in his projects. My complaint from the beginning is it's really hard to know if he's actually doing what he says he You're right. Exactly. That's, that's the that's thing the about course. anonymity, right? Is like, I mean, I, I, like, I would love to have a system where at least somebody from the community could vet it or whatever. But at the cost of like making it obvious who's doing it to the to the state actor. I mean, I would almost rather gamble on it and keep the dude who claims he's trying anonymous, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, I hear you. But the, the threshold is so low there, it becomes so easy to just, you know, scam. Yeah, I see I see his point um, with the whole, like, you, you want to do something, and the only way to prove that you're going to do it is for somebody to take a risk and then... Um, and then like have, have it be done. So like if you're running a company and I say that I'm going to give you this thing for this much Monero, the only way that you can trust me being anonymous is if you give me the thing first and then I send you the thing I told you I was going to. So it's a, it's a chicken and egg problem. Yeah. Maybe he could do a better job though. Like showing what he's actually implemented. I mean, I don't know what he can do, but I mean, there's, I missed that part of the segment, but I I think through like creativity and uh, uh, what's the word Um, like in ingenuity, what's that? (laughs) There's ways to establish trust. Like, you know, I don't know if he has a site on tour, you know, there's like secure ways to present information to build trust potentially through like innovate, innovative uh, means. And I don't know if any of those are being implemented. So, you know, good point. Good point. Um, I don't know what exactly he could do though, or what he should do. I don't know. Alaska, any thoughts there? Like, how, how could he better prove to us that he's actually implemented these things? Um, I mean, a really good way, like the, a good way that would be doable is to uh, send a picture and then respond to somebody on like, a, what is it, Dredge, you know, the front page of the dark web or somebody. Somebody can make a post and he has to write it by hand on a postcard and then take the same picture again. And like, there's like a time window to it. Uh, Or I mean, there's like people have done this on the dark web for years, like coming up with it's just coming up with like on the spot ways. So you can't game it out ahead of time. Mm -hmm. Um, And I wouldn't be surprised if uh, Cuban warrior is familiar with a lot of these, you know, for example, putting a a timestamp, a timestamp and uh, the the anonymously generated address of the person who requested that you put the timestamp on, right? 
So you can't do it ahead of time and it has to be handwritten and then you can look for evidence of even AI and stuff from the handwriting. Um, so there there was one other thing that I thought was like, Tux tried to bring it up, but it was a little overlooked when we were talking about like, oh, it's probably not constitutional, these uh, anti-crypto laws that you know, all of our all of our lizard people were trying to tell us that we had to abide by or whatever. Um, it, the model for regulating like all of this stuff switched many, many years ago to fines instead of regulation. You create all of these bureaucracies and they just fine you and lawfare you to death. And actually proposing legislation is the warning shot, right? So they say that they're proposing legislation and they have actually no intention making the legislation. Because remember, they want to launder their ill-gotten gains. They don't want there to actually be a law that would hold them accountable, right? But they use the 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 idea of the law to number one drive down prices, you know, get a lower price for their own. But then the other thing is, it's like a warning shot to certain people, like comply with giving us this data outside of the law, or the bureaucrats are going to come and fine you to death, right? And we've already seen some of that because it appears to me that a lot of the crypto exchange people, they were like hardcore, you know, freedom enthusiasts. And then, well, onboard this insider or you're not going to be allowed to do business. And then they do that. Now, all of a sudden you have like the guy from MasterCard and the guy from JP Morgan on all of these boards. And they're like, okay, we'll give you a bunch of money for the liquidity of your exchange so you can be the only game in town. But you're going to be personally on the hook for all of its liabilities. And then the next one becomes, okay, we're going to manipulate the prices together. And then the next one becomes, you're either going to give us the data or we're going to kill your kids, right? Like that. So there's like this escalating process of like pigeonholing people who might be, uh, who, who wanted to just create an exchange so that you could get in and out of the currency and now all of a sudden you're one of the bad guys like gatekeeping everybody from being free right and i think a lot of people don't realize like the the natural progression but the thing is is we are now at the point where the exchanges are being warned we are going to fine you to death and leave you on the hook for all of the liabilities and this is a showing you that you know we could just put laws in place or, unless you I don't know, maybe shut down Monero swaps for 18 hours and then also prevent another guy from getting Monero for one hour. I mean, these are just examples. Who knows if that actually happened, you know, last week? Well, I mean, forget the constitutionality of what she's proposing. I mean, the entire Bank Secrecy Act is is arguably, very arguably unconstitutional, right? Well, they don't need it anymore. They haven't needed it for what? Well, I mean, Michael might have a better estimate, but like seven years at least. Because now the entrenched bureaucracy has survived to the point where they can just fine you to death. And whether or not the fines can get paid or not, um, they can also leverage like bank accounts to hold money until either the fines are paid or the case is dismissed. Or they can lock up your capital without any laws now. So it doesn't it, like none of that stuff even matters, which is why the freedom enthusiasts are being presented with the fight at this stage. Right. Because it's already pointless. And, and that's part of the reason why the freedom enthusiast people need to actually understand how the game is played, because they're always fighting the battle from 20 years ago. And it's being done that way on purpose. So like 
the real fight right now, I mean, a lot of the people in this chat, like they get it. The real fight right now is to have a parallel economy, right? The bad guys are literally already setting up their parallel economy. You know, one of the things uh, about like the carbon passports and the CBDCs and all of that stuff, um, like the entire premise is they also need a parallel economy and they want their hands on the control levers, right? We all know it. But then it's like, hey, go fight about this thing that is like 20 years old and pointless, the bank secrets yet. Nobody cares about the laws anymore. I mean, think about it. Like I was just saying with the survival instincts of the business, they're already going to quit obeying the law. And there's entire massive algorithms that exist that have made the powers that be aware. Yeah, nobody's going to give a shit about the law anymore coming up. And you know, I mean, it could be months, honestly, if they decide to pull the plug on the on the fiat Fed notes here pretty which I don't know that they are or not. I'm not one of those guys. But as soon as they pull the plug on that, they know nobody's going to care about the law anymore. So the the question is, is, is our system going to be in place or is the survival instinct going to move them to the parallel economy? I think that the centralized exchanges, centralized crypto exchanges were a mistake of history. It's just now that we have decentralized exchanges, I don't see why there's any reason to use them. Uh, it was just, you know, kind of a way to make it easier for onboarding people initially. It was like the, the AOL of the internet. Or the yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, anything else, guys? Otherwise, we, we could call it here. Any anything else? Yeah, I've got. Want? I've got one thing about this. Um, about this, the connect kit with the the ledgers. They say to to check your screen on your ledger and make sure that the address you're sending to is actually valid. And a lot of people don't do that for whatever reason. And what I always do when I'm sending a transaction is I check. Uh, the addresses, the, like the last five or six of the address, I don't check the entire dang thing, that's for sure. Mm -hmm. But I do check the last five or six because it's going to be, it's easy to generate an address beginning with the same characters, but it is not easy to generate an address ending with the same characters because then you've got to generate the entire address. So like with Tor, with Tor identities, for example, you can generate a Tor identity that looks like the same as Dred's first, say, 10 characters, but you can't generate the same address ending with the last 10 characters uh, very easily at all. Does that make sense? That does make sense. I, I naturally do that anyway with any any uh, Monero transactions. I always check the end of the address the last like yeah, yep. five characters. Yeah, I always can do I, like five. Can I just point out that like this is another example though of unintentional gatekeeping. And what I mean by that is outsiders coming into the system who haven't been evolving with these systems have no fucking clue what this guy just, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's, I mean, yeah, shortwave, you know, he's, he's been doing this stuff. He gets it like, you know, and all of us, we, we've been using Monero, we get it. But like, this is one of the problems that like, we keep accelerating like uh, next iteration of hardware wallet next year. And it's this never-ending arms race of complexity that literally is just cock-blocking anybody who wants to get into the space. That's why and the ETFs is are important is because if they bring an ETF, then you can suddenly buy it on any bank, bank account, any brokerage. You can suddenly get ex exposure to – I mean, uh, you can't – the, the micro-strategy stock essentially functions as a bit unregulated Bitcoin ETF. Like they're, they're upset with Michael Saylor for doing that and – uh, who knows? Maybe there'll be something like that for Ethereum or other other currents. You know, the and this isn't meant to be a plug for Cake Wallet, but like it's like 
nobody has been focusing on how do we make it possible for a guy to use Monero without being a fucking engineer. You know, it's like the only people who do it, like there's a couple of people, right? But, you know, that's one of the reasons why I love Cake Wallet. But the thing is, is every one of these like next iteration on top of next iteration is adding layers of complexity on the engineering side for people like Cake Wallet just to keep the app working for people who are like, yeah, I downloaded it to my iPhone so I could buy pizza, right? Like it's, and the problem that I see with crypto in general is the the higher level engines need to be focusing more on how easy is it for a guy to download an app and buy a pizza right that's it like that used to be the goal right that's where the bitcoin pizza thing came from was a bunch of people wanted to buy pizza and they bought it with bitcoin right and then people like oh bitcoin pizza is now worth blah 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 it's like i think you missed the point the point is that they bought a pizza like back in what was it 2010 you know, like they were already using it to buy stuff in 2010. Why is it so hard to buy stuff in 2020, almost four, right? <laughs> good point. Good points. Good points. Remsey, I like your points with MicroStrategy as well. Maybe Monero Talk LLC can be the uh, unofficial ETF of Monero once we go public. Just find some company. <laughs> there, there's some shell companies out there that's publicly traded. That's what Michael, his company was nothing until he started buying Bitcoin and became a beat, an we unregulated Bitcoin ETF. Monero, Monero Talk LLC. We, we're already all Monero, right? So we just got to go public now. I've got a couple of shell companies we could take public. Or a SPAC. Or a SPAC. <laughs> All right, guys, we'll end it here. Thanks, as always. I thought this was a great show. I hope uh, I hope we didn't go too hard on Cuban Warrior, but we, you know, this is what we got to do. We can't. We, we got to suss things out, right? So I think Kuno, like I said, is amazing. I love Kuno. Uh, I I agree with Alaska in terms of we got to be careful. We don't want to make it difficult for people to use Kuno for these purposes where they need to stay anonymous and protected. But at the same time, we got to try to like figure out which ones are the scams and which ones aren't. I'm not saying his is, but we put information more more information out there so people can further decide because they've already raised quite a bit of money. Um, but maybe it's legit. Maybe he's building the stuff. Maybe it's not as valuable as he may propose. Maybe there are other ways of already doing things down there. Um, but if he's actually doing it, you know, I, I I think I think it's an interesting project. Um, so, but we, we don't know. We don't know. That's up for you for up for the individual user to decide. Uh, but we'll leave it at that. Thank you so much, guys. We do these shows every Saturday at 11 a.m. Eastern. And thanks to everybody that participates. Cheers. Later, guys. Oh, let me run the outro. Mm-mm. If I can find it. Here we go. All right. Later, guys. Thank you for joining us on this week's Monerotopia episode. We stream live shows every Saturday at 11 a.m. Eastern. You can find and subscribe to our show on YouTube and Odyssey or listen to the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or Stitcher. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter or join us in the Monerotopia Telegram group. See you all next week. All right. All right, guys. Thanks for the show, man. Thank you, man. Thanks for always. I'm trying to get a hold of you shortwave. Contact at feeder8.me. Is that an email address? That's an that's an email address. Yeah, it's uh, federate.me. <clears throat> and uh, oh, nice! I didn't even know that existed. I, but yeah, I mean, it's, the name says it all, right? If you, it's my own personal. It's my own personal email domain. Actually, I'm using Proton Mail, and yeah. uh, what I and what I do is I just had them take my domain and use that as my email address. 
Right on. Well, I'm using Tooth, uh, so you'll hear from me in a little bit. All right, and then we can use like Simplex or something for more real-time chats. Yeah, I mean, I'm a big Molly guy. Oh, I use Molly. Yeah, so I'll I'll get you on my Molly. That works perfect. All right. How about session, man? Are you still using session or? Uh... Yeah, I, 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 I still have it. I still use it, but you know, most people they're sticking with their signal. Like I am on, man. I am on session. My biggest problem with session, at least as of now, is the accessibility. So for talkback users like myself, mm-hmm. um, the the message bodies are actually completely unread. So like I can't unless I look visually. I can't see what people are saying to me. I have to read it visually. See, my big thing about session is um, we need a competing technology that is not built on like the the main web architecture. Oh, wait, we're we're still live. I never hit the end end the stream. <laughs> <laughs> nice. You guys are getting the the back room uh, chatter here. Yeah, but Which, the thing about LokiNet is the paid service for uh, this is this is just a. You know, yeah, donate stuff. to Monero Talk to get into the after hours. I don't know. All right, I'm gonna hit the screen here, guys. All right. Thank you for joining us on this week's Monerotopia episode. We stream live shows every Saturday at 11 a.m. Eastern. You can find and subscribe to our show on YouTube and Odyssey, or listen to the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or Stitcher. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter or join us in the Monerotopia Telegram group. See you all next week.